son, we need to have a chat. I just got your progress report from your teacher. Aw, jeez, Dad. She told me yesterday that you didn't punch a kid in class. But, but Dad, the kid was a perfect gentleman. How, how could I punch him? <sighs> son, it was a combat class. At a military school. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And and look at this other stuff your teacher wrote. You left your guns in your dorm. You didn't bring anything sharp to your sword training. And you keep writing, violence is never an answer on your test questions about combat tactics? Come on, Dad. It's a legitimate answer. Son, if you keep up this bad performance, I'm afraid I'm going to have to put you in a public school. Oh, no! Dad! Don't send me to a public school. There's a kid in my class that got sent to our school as punishment, and his public school sounds worse. Well, if you don't want to get stuck in a desk for eight hours with a glorified babysitter, then you better shape up. I will, Dad. I promise. Good, son. I'm glad we had this talk. Ugh, public school. What a nightmare. I wonder how that transfer student is doing anyway. Meanwhile, at Thor's Academy... Yeah, I'm the baddest kid in my grade. That's why they sent me here. You think you can do any better, lady? Ugh, you still talking, kid. I want to finish this up so I can go have a beer. Whatever, lady. I'm going to smoke this combat training. (laughs) Oh, this isn't combat training. It's marksmanship. Students, I'll give extra credit for anyone that can pop this moron in the ass with a rubber bullet. Ow! Hey! Stop stop shooting me! What happened to Zero Tolerance? This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, which we are bringing you such wonderful podcasts like RPG Cast for your news and Q&A Quest for your feedback and we're your nostalgia fix for the week. And joining me, my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Matt Mason. Woo-hoo! Getting drunk and thinking about beating the crap out of my students. Hey, that, that sounds like, wait, you're at a private school. Oh, yeah. I can only get drunk. I can't beat them up. I guess say you're not a secret nun, are you? No, no. Okay, never mind. And also joining me, fellow teacher, Pascal Takaya. I got a cram for finals week. Um, Not a teacher as far as I know, but still awesome, Mr. Josh Carpenter. No, no, but I am a government worker, so that kind of half counts, right? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Definitely. And then I I just learned that he was a teacher today, Jervon. Hello. And in the public schools, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Great skit there, Kelly. Yeah, not, not <laughs> anymore after this skit goes out. <laughs> no, that was our... fine. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let, let's just say I had to tone down the guns at school jokes just a tad. 
Because surprise, surprise, there was a school shooting the week I wrote it. Uh, oh, Lord. Oh, but we won't get into that. We are getting into our favorite military academy simulator that is Trails of Cold Steel Part 1. Um, just doing Part 1 for today because this is a huge series. And like I've oh. made the promise before, I need to keep the show under two hours. <laughs> so good. But the, the thing I like about the Trails games, or the Trails of Cold Steel games, is that each game is different enough that it can kind of carry itself. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you like cliffhangers. Oh, well, yeah. There, there's that. <laughs> Which, they're okay. Those are okay. The series is great. The cliffhangers are okay. The cliffhangers are only great if you've bought all the games in the series up until that point. Yeah. Hey, hey just be thankful there aren't the, like, four-year waits between cliffhangers like there used to be. Oh, God. Yeah, and the whole series is available now. Mm-hmm. Trails of Cold Steel is complete? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because technically isn't tra- Kuro no Kiseki uh, going to be kind of a follow-up game or an in-between game to their next series? Hajimari, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuro is oh. the next series. Hajimari oh, right. is the, the transition-ish game, yes. Right, my, my bad. Got too, too many games there, in this there, series. There are, it's never going to end. <laughs> You can just hope for endings. It, it, it seems like they just keep saying that it's 60% done, even after they keep finishing more games. So, <laughs> I mean, credit to them, at least they're delivering versus uh, the, which I think it was Xeno Saga, where they wanted to have like six games in that, and then we only only get, ended getting up three. And I think that was a sub-series of Xeno, not Xeno Saga, what was the PlayStation one? Xeno Gears, which is supposed to be like a nine-part series or something like that. Yeah, too ambitious. Also, like uh, Shinmu, I think falls into that yeah. same category. Yeah, at least I, I want to say Kiseki at least kind of keeps itself mostly contained and grounded and makes their games, you know, just contained enough that if if the, another game didn't happen, then it'd be fine for the most part. Well, They've done a pretty what? good job of making the the subsection series uh, fairly self-contained, such that you can kind of jump in at the different points as you're going along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know. Also, props for them. When when was the uh, first Trails in the Sky made? Two thousand five. Yeah. So? yeah. So we're looking at. Gosh, they've got a whole three to nine game series here that's been out in sixteen years, mm-hmm. and they've already got two more. Are both those next ones out in Japan, or just the transition yep. game? They're they're both out now in Japan. Yeah. Okay. So so I mean, they've got eleven games out in fifteen years. You know, let, let's look at Dragon Quest. They just finished their eleventh in what thirty five years. <laughs> Final Fantasies, right about that length too, and we've got fifteen. We got a SMT; they're almost that long, and we've got five coming out soon. Uh, Falcon yeah, but chucking them out. <laughs> to be fair, SMT's there. got all the other ones and whatnot, but yes, yeah, SMTs has spinoffs and yeah, yeah, yeah. spinoffs that have their own spinoffs, and that that's SMT web is a bit uh, tangled. Oh, I think web is the better idea here. We've got a we got a straight line with some little curves and bumps, but no, Falcom's done a good job. Nothing too detrimental, and and not only that, after getting the uh, announcement for the um, two Crossbell games coming out next year, um, to kind of bridge the gap between Sky and Cold Steel, that that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Well, I agree with Josh about how good they are. I'm one and a half games into Crossbell and. I got to pick up. I'm at the interlude in game two. 
I'm, I'm trying to find my Amazon pre-order because I think I pre-ordered all four of those at the same time just so that I could, you know, have them in my cart. Ooh. Yeah, that was a pretty penny, but luckily there's coming out spaced out enough that it's not going to yeah, be yeah, that yeah. big of a deal. But yeah, you've got the two Crossbell games and then Nayuta. That was the spinoff that's actually a... That's the spinoff that's inspired by Zvi combat yes yeah. yes that one and then trails into reverie which is the interstitial. yeah okay yep. oh i need a map for some of the stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, well well we'll we'll get to that we'll have a train map for you on this game right yes uh, i, I want to say we're, we're starting from the beginning from this month but then i remembered no technically sky is the beginning and then like no hasn't this series gone back since the nes they're yes. not all of it's connected Oh, Lord. Um, I, I remember when Exceed first got the series, they did their they, they actually did like a thing connecting all the different games, because this goes all the way back to like Dragon Slayer on like mm-hmm. PC Engine in 1985 or something like that. They're all kind of connected together. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> Are if you really want to know a lot. I was going to say, if you really want to know a lot, we've got an episode. I remember listening to it last year. Um, Phil, and I believe Mac was on it quite a bit, going on about the three PSP titles. Oh, yes. The one that I bought and I was kind of into, but then I got horribly stuck. I think this was the first Legend of Heroes. And because nobody had played it, I couldn't find out how to progress. And, you know, a lot of people rag on that game. I didn't think it was that bad from what I played. It's just, it sucked that I just hit a wall. Mm. And I've been curious about the other two games in that trilogy, though. I think they came out in the wrong order in the U.S. That's my uh, memory. I, I've never, I, I still haven't gotten around to them, despite my huge Falcom fandom. I, I still haven't gotten around to I believe they came out here as one, three, two. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that nobody gave two shits about PSP games, so I picked those up on the cheap, and now they're worth tons of money because nobody bought PSP games until <laughs> uh, the store was about to close. So, well, well, that was even before Falcom cared about PSP games because those weren't made by Falcom; those were Bandai Namco oh, right. ports, or right, actually some some unnamed third company. I think actually did the ports. So, right, I forgot about that too, but. <laughs> So, Cold Steel, um, I know it's easy to get into the weeds with when it comes to trail stuff, but Cold Steel, this is the one that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the yeah. first of the Cold Steel Quadrology. Yeah. Wow. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> uh, quartet, I think. <laughs> quartet. I think, I think the Alien movies were the one, were the only ones that, that prefer to call it Quadrology. I used that term somewhere or another. I think it was actually on our on on backtrack uh, like years ago, and I was uh, I was schooled for using it. Oh, <laughs> see, no. Even with all the teachers here tonight, we're not going to school you. <laughs> yeah, I googled it, and it's a legitimate word, a compound oh. work that is made up of four distinct words, well. but also called a quartet or a tetralogy. I've heard tetralogy. Yeah, tetralogy is new to me, but um, I, I've heard it with all the young adult books that came out as a trilogy that they made into four movies. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hunger I, I Games, Twilight. That, I forgot that Which, that was the thing too. Yeah. Even Harry Potter had to make themselves two tetralogies because you know seven wasn't good. Yeah, and that for that first movie for Deathly Hollows two was completely useless. <laughs> so is but, half uh, of that book. 
but we're not here oh, to discuss God. that tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another rabbit hole. But um, yeah, go going back to school with Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, we're gonna have a short musical interlude, and then when we come back, we're gonna get into the main event. So stick around. And welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we're de- taking a deep dive into Trails of Cold Steel, a very beloved game across the site. I think many of us have, uh, on RPG Cast and on the staff have played through this series. It is that beloved. Um, ca- came out on December 22nd, 2015 in North America and September 26, 2013 in Japan. Um, for the PS3 and Vita initially, and then later got ports to the PS4 and Steam and GOG. And uh, if, I, I, if I could say, not only have a lot of people played it, but half of the staff has even reviewed it. Yes. We, we probably, I don't know if it's the most reviewed game we have, but we have a lot. <laughs> um, and not not many bad reviews in that, is there? No, especially the um, first game was really well loved. Yeah, I think it was the only... Was it the only 5.0 I've ever given? Maybe? Yeah. Wow. Or if not, then maybe Horizon Zero Dawn might have been the other one. So Yeah, I think you gave Horizon high, a 5. I remember that getting a 5. High praise. I mean, that that first game certainly grabbed you and kind of kept you going for all seven or eight chapters that were in it. Well, I, I think for me coming into it as, you know, a, a fan of the original three games that we got, um, the the Sky games, like it was it was a really fun departure because up to that point, Erebonia had been basically kind of the antagonists in the series. Mm-hmm. They've been the, they had been the bad guys in both the arc that we got in Sky and as well as in Crossbell games that we didn't get. And so like now you're kind of like turning it on your head and you're getting to see events from now the bad guys perspective in a certain sense. Geopolitically, I guess you would say. That'd be the proper adjective, I believe, yes. But yeah, that's all you've heard about them. Yeah, but that's- you don't. Oh, right. Sorry, you don't really play a lot of games where you get to see kind of the world from the other the other side's point of view. And that's part of what like draws me into like the the overall trail series is just how deep they dive into creating this world and the lore that surrounds it. And and it's not and things in this game are not or in this series as a whole are not painted quite so obviously black and white. You know, you have Erebonia; they are definitely kind of like a. A, an expansionist uh, empire who definitely will crush small little countries when it's in their interest to. But, you know, the people that make up the country themselves are not necessarily what you would classify as, like, evil or antagonistic. No, I mean, this is a... I mean, I wouldn't call it a slice-of-life RPG, but you run into so many NPCs that you're playing... They're, you're going through their life, their livelihood. I mean, in Sky, you're just going town to town, rescuing animals and, you know, switching a light bulb or something. And 
here on a lot of the side quests and everything, you're doing the same thing. It's this whole geopolitical things going around you, and you're taking a side quest mm-hmm. to find seven cats. And <laughs> hey, hey, I like that side quest. I, I know. I pulled it. I didn't pull that one out of my uh, rear end. I pulled it right off our sheet. <laughs> but no, I mean, like you say, not everybody's evil. The whole empire isn't evil because 90% of the characters you're going to talk to in this game have nothing to do with the whole geopolitical stuff. There's someone running the shop and someone with a cat. They're just living their lives like everybody yeah. does. Yep. I mean, there's there's multiple um, side quests about helping uh, the the chef at the restaurant collect. Um, I don't know what is it, uh, uh, ingredients or or a hotel yep. collect um, some kind of uh, like like reviews or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's all just mundane little things. Kind of getting into the kind of getting into the impetus of the story. You, you're playing as Reen Schwarzer, a kid who is starting out his first year at Thor's military academy, and they immediately kind of stick you in this class where you have to kind of learn how to work with your other teammates. <laughs> the teacher like literally drops you through a trap door into this dungeon, and you kind of have to fight your way out. Which I, I thought was kind of a funny moment anyway, especially with how Reen lands on, or no, it's I think it's one of the girls lands on him. Elisa, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Elisa, and it, and, yeah, and it's in typical comedy. anime trope. <laughs> oh, yeah, she gets mad at him because, you know, that was his fault, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yep, totally. And the game takes place over, or I, I can't count, is it seven or eight chapters? Uh, I thought it was six, but... Uh, Maybe maybe more. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. There's six, mm. seven there's chapters. six chapters. Yeah, and there's six a, chapters, a finale, and then there's the uh, drama CD intermission that we didn't get <laughs> until whatever the second game. I think they localized that. Okay. Oh, I think I know what you mean. You can. I I, I think I read it online. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And they and included he, it in the later games, actually, as like yeah. in the uh, the whatever the backstory part of the three and four so you can still get it and each chapter kind of has two different parts to it where the first part is always the school part where you're running around doing side quests around the school um, building up your relationships with all of your uh, classmates and then you go on what's called a field study for the second half of each chapter where yeah you're going out into the world and you're helping people around town with their problems and then there's usually kind of a bigger problem going on that you get that kind of gets solved that then ties into the larger um, overall story, which is about the uh, a revolutionary army trying to undermine the empire. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a strong divide in Erebonia between the nobility and kind of these uh, the the these groups that are trying to kind of. Uh, yeah, reform the empire led by the. the I think they're actually so- called the reformists in the game, yes. even. Yeah, yeah, like uh, led by Chancellor uh, Gilead Osborne. And, and then there's the the Liberation. Um, I don't know what they call themselves, Liberation Army or Liberation, the the, the people's the front of group, Judea, yeah. maybe the Judean people's front. <laughs> it's, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but yeah, it was something people's front, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and the class struggle in this world is kind of very made clear because two two of the people in your class are 
one of them is a noble and one of them is a commoner. And they fight like they're made out of oil, oil and water throughout the entire game. Oh, oh I mean, that's, that, the, all that stuff is even reflected in the school where the class, all the class seven is the only mm-hmm. class in the school that actually has nobility and commoners mixed. All the other classes are strictly either noble or common. And you yeah, see that what, class of, one or two, class yeah. one and two is the nobility. Three, four, five is the commoners. I think that's right. Yeah. And yeah, there's they have no their own dorms. Yes, they got their own color to wear. <laughs> their dorms actually have hired help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, which I, I forgot about until I re- was read about, like, oh, yeah, that kind of s- seems crappy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it's good. So it's, is it, I mean, can you call it a, a fish out of water story? Not, not really. Like it's, it's his first day at school, but, but it's also everybody else's first day that's in class seven. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and they, they arrive at the school, um, at the military academy and unbeknownst to them, they've been assigned, what is it? Is it seven of them or six of them have been, um, assigned different colors to wear. Um, and there's this new, they, so the school has has created a new a new experimental class just for the I, can't, I honestly can't remember I think it's six people right six characters I think it was eight no I think it's eight <laughs> okay <laughs> so they're all very memorable to me apparently so so two groups of four because they they you know like later okay. on they start breaking them off into uh, you know mm-hmm. the uh, the field the, study groups field studies yeah and so they literally. Have- yeah. Halfway through the game, they add two more classmates to class seven. So is it is it eight to begin with, or is it eight um, eventually? No, it's eight to begin with. Oh, it's okay. eight to begin all right, with. All right, all right. So um, they go to their orientation. Everybody goes off into their own sections of the school, the, the nobility, the commoners, except for the eight of them. And they're all kind of wondering, like, what's going on? What's happening? Why do we have red jackets and... And and, uh, and and aren't being placed in any of the other mm, houses, groups, classes, whatever. And their answer is, like you already said, the their teacher that's assigned to them takes them to the, the dungeon on campus and drops them through a trap door to the basement where they have to fight their way out. Yep. And that's how they find out that they're that this is an experimental class. Yeah. That's where they receive some of their gear when they when they get dropped down there. I think they get their um their special weapons and stuff like that. I think they're arcuses too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which their special arcuses or their their arcuses are special in that they allow for combat links. So it's so you got eight people. None of them know each other. Well, with at least like at first, that's what it appears. But then there are some. I think there are a couple of very subtle connections that become clear as the game goes on. That just a, a few characters like do have some sort of background connection to another character or something like that but just but for the for the most part none of them know each other they're all just as new to this as you are right so you kind of Mm -hmm. you get to know them as you get to know like the 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 world all together right And, and, and while you have this tension going on between the commoners and nobility like reen in some way kind of himself has that same sort of tension because he's um, you know, he was adopted. He's basically uh, he was adopted by a noble family. So he's kind of noble and kind of not as just this adopted bastard kid who was just pulled off the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he seems to be um, uncomfortable mm-hmm. about people finding out that he that he's been sent there by, um, you know, by his by his noble uh, dad. I can't, 
I, I can't quite remember like what rank his dad has, and but he's he, uh, he was kind of like a lower, lesser noble. I think he was a baron. Yeah, so I know that um like uh, so there's a specifically there's a character in the in in the group um called Machias, and he hates nobility with a passion and uh before he'll even so much as like greet you he wants to establish first like he i think he literally makes it a point to ask green and maybe some of the others like before he even speaks to them he wants to know are you a noble or not because if you are like i hate you yeah Yeah. um and reen like refuses like i shouldn't say refuse he does answer but he answers in a very vague way yeah yeah um where he uh i think he it's a moment of silence followed by there's uh i have no noble blood or like there's not a one a single drop of noble blood within me which is his way of covering up the fact that he's been adopted and raised his whole life by nobility but he's uh-huh. actually you know by birth he's a common a commoner like that nice nice lie of omission there reen <laughs> yeah but uh, but but to be fair like they're all very evasive um that's you know and that's i guess that's kind of the point like the game wants you to find out more about the characters as it goes like over the next 80 hours you're uh, you're going to very slowly learn more which is you know and that's that's not a not a knock like uh it's great um but so they're all quite evasive like nobody is just full out uh laying everything on the table early on yeah the game does a very good job of letting you get to know the characters as reen gets to know the characters because some stuff some stuff gets revealed pretty quickly like gaius being a uh a nomad from the highlands is established pretty early on but then later on you learn that Thea, the the girl with the twin daggers she used to be a jaeger which is this universe's version of a mercenary and that kind of cheeses off Laura, who is the um, the ponytailed swordswoman, who seems to have a beef with the Yeagers, and they spend a whole chapter at each other's throats. And yeah, Reen kind of has but, to solve that. But you're like 45 hours in by the time we even get to any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really goes at a at a very uh, um, calling it a slow burn would would really be an understatement. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, it's very indulgent, like of itself. <laughs> it indulges itself very, a lot. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely forgot that this game was eight chapters long because the later games in the series kind of split the game up into acts, and I want to say that there was only like three or four acts in each uh, chapter in the later games, or no, just three, three or four acts in the game total. So I was like, wait a minute, this really was eight chapters long, man. I. <laughs> I must have pushed that out of my memory, and yeah, it it took me a while to get through this game. As did us all. Yeah. Uh, so, can we go back to when you were discussing, like the the kind of the flow of you know, like the two parts of each chapter? You yeah. Touched on that already. Yeah the um the the chapter kind of starts out with you doing schoolwork, and it, it gave me certainly gave me persona vibes because you know you've got classes where you have to answer questions to get your ap points and then you have a free day where you're pretty much running around doing side quests around the school Mm -hmm. the free day and that's where you can go interact with your fellow classmates to build up bonds with them only a certain number of them though right and the bonds are kind of important to build up because as the bonds build um you get you get better perks with your uh combat links well wait a minute they'll they'll heal you or they'll 
uh, take a counterattack for you or that kind of thing, the more um, the more you've built up that social link. Yeah, that's I kind of forgotten about that actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, the fact that what you have like um like is it like usually about three interactions with your classmates that you're, that you're allowed to spend or however many it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what what I was remembering I, this Kelly, I thought this is what you were actually talking about is is going that you also get to of course go around and talk to all the NPCs, um, which. You can also, quote unquote, build relationships with them. Like there's not like a relationship meter or anything like that that you increase. But um, in each chapter, uh, all of the other NPC students at the school have like dedicated dialogue, um, dedicated things that they do, even if they even if it's not a side quest, like if it's just walking up to them and like just talking to like you would to, well, like a, a townsperson in an RPG. Right. But it's constantly different in each chapter and you can um you can like learn about the npcs and follow to a degree follow like their interests and their lives a little bit too yeah yeah also it adds info in the little book that you have in the menu like it'll add pages to the book about your knowledge of the certain people so i think that just speaks to like this i mean this game i I think it works just it just fires like best if you're just willing to you know not not accomplish anything <laughs> if you just want to turn it on and say okay um so i'm gonna you know for the next two hours while i'm playing i'm not nothing is going to advance N- no story beat will happen it's just going to be me like doing school life you know i mean i mean f- famously i've i've said before that it feels like as rpgs continued for the years that there was less and less of a reason to you know, do the thing where you talk to every townsperson before you continue. And the fact that Falcom takes the time to make sure that they give every single townsperson unique dialogue for each chapter, sometimes multiple unique dialogues, depending on what's happened in the chapter, is something that is just amazing to me. And it's the one thing I kind of hate about myself that I wish I could get more into is going around and talking to the townspeople. Not because I don't want to hear what they have to say, but because... You know, I'm kind of for the podcast for both podcasts. I'm I'm, I'm kind of on a schedule to play some of these games, and unfortunately, I don't have the time to go talk to everybody. You know, it, yeah. I mean, this a, is it, oh, sorry, no, like 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 it's it's totally a rabbit hole you can go down in in these Falcon games. But it's part of what makes them so interesting and charming is that all these little NPCs have their own yeah. little stories and tales that go along it, it makes it feel it's their version of world building and I'm, I'm sure it's not for everybody but it you know like it i i've always found it really charming way of building a world and making it feel real and alive yeah um i always feel like so uh Jervon, you and i both um reviewed different games in the series when they um when they were what re- remastered or remade for the ps4 yeah um so I all which means like these weren't like time sensitive reviews in in the same way as like when they were first released. Um, I know when when I when I play it's it's the only one by the way I've played. I've never played any other Trails game or any other uh, Cold Steel besides the first one at this point. Um, outside so of that maybe, five like, really got you hooked, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did. Like one day. <laughs> I will continue. Listen, I, I just said I like a slow burn, and like the in between <laughs> games has to be a slow burn also. Uh, That's all right. No, That's all but right. Uh, like I would, I, I would hate probably um, having to play this game on a time crunch to do like oh, yeah. 
to do a time-sensitive review. There are certain games I would hate to do that with, and this is definitely one because I think the reason I loved it so much is because I got to take my time and only do what I wanted to do that day. And so, like, I, and I wasn't lying when I said some days I just I would play for hours and nothing would happen, but it would be a good kind of nothing. And I also like this that it's not as high stakes as a Persona game. Like, if you didn't go talk to do two character events on that day or something like that, or if that's all you did and you skipped out all the other stuff, it was all right. Like, you didn't need to make sure you're following a schedule to get all your um, social links up to maximum and, or anything. Yeah, thank God. Oh, man, I and, hate yeah, stuff like that. And th- that was the nice thing is that I feel like I didn't necessarily miss anything by just kind of doing the bare, the bare bun stuff, you know, doing my side quests, d- uh, talking to everybody I needed to for my social links, and then that's it. But I like that the rest of the stuff is there for the people that want to take that deep dive into yep. the lore. Yeah. That's how all games should be. I mean, let's be honest. Did did we all use the social links to try to romance whoever we decided Reen's um Reen's boo was? Um at the in the first game, yes, I did read all of the dialogue for the social links. By the time the fourth game rolled around, I think just my favorite characters I would actually read the text for and then everybody else is just like skip. I don't care. I'm just building this to get the social link up. <laughs> Wow, just using people for their combat abilities. To, to be fair, by Cold Steel 4, I think you have like 24 party members or something yeah. ridiculous <laughs> like that. Wow. Yeah, it's the say, only I, way you... Oops, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I um, I ironically, like with the links, but I also tend to do this because I guess you could say I'm kind of a bit of an RP, RPG player. Um, I kind of just, I guess, put myself in ring shoes and just kind of chose the people who a felt um, who, who felt like you know who, who at least I was like as Reen was growing closer to, but I guess also I I'm very much on that like holy trinity, so I try to make sure I have like a quote unquote tank, a healer, and um, a DPS and like a support. So I was revolving around like both story like in friendship who I liked the most. But also, like, I guess you say a little bit of combat. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think I usually spent my my social points on if there was ever a character uh, in if there was another person in class seven that was kind of sort of hinted at by the story to be like involved in an important way in what in whatever was coming up. I would probably like talk to them because it seemed like they were poised to be, you know, a more central part of the narrative um and then and then i did kind of like okay so i picked in my mind like who does reen want to date and then that's somebody i tried to talk to and i'm not sure who the uh, and then i probably talked to somebody like um who who do i want to back me up in in a dungeon let me let me like like you're saying like combat wise let me let me pick somebody who i think i'm going to get some good assistance from uh i, I don't think any of those things have any bearing on who joins you in dungeons and stuff like that no oh no uh, that's all that's all set for yeah. the chapter I'll- just all the party mind. members, all the party member stuff is just completely on set paths until the very end. Except which, for what is it? The schoolhouse you can usually pick. Yeah, yeah. I, which I I know we have. So we haven't even talked about the um. What 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 are they called? In, I can't remember the special uh trip. Well, the the class trips or they have some kind of a name for it in the field studies. Field studies. Um. 
I really, yep. really like the fact that your party is set for you and keeps cycling through random uh, party like combinations. Oh, and agreed. You- I, I, I got angry at it sometimes. I was like, no, I want this person. But it forced you to use everybody and to see different people together. So I yeah. like in other games, if I was just given eight people at the beginning, I'll be honest, I'd probably stick with like my favorite four and rarely change unless I can swap them out for oh, time in battle. That's yeah, how have, I am. Yeah. And it, it bites me in the ass big time for games that don't do shared EXP like Final Fantasy VIII, where I end up with like Zell, Selfie, and Christus like at level 13 when the rest of my dudes <laughs> are level 80. Wait, Zell? Oh no. I think I use him a lot. So oh, he, was I, favorite. <laughs> he was so edgy. Kelly, he was he was the edgy one. I know. Well, I, know. I dressed like him too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I mean, did you get a facial tattoo? I had a crush on Irving. That's why. But this isn't Final Fantasy VIII. But the thing I like about the fact that it cycled everybody mm. out is not only did it teach cut, cut you how to Vincent. use it, um, not only did it teach you how to use everybody, but I felt like everybody yeah. was useful in their own way. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So the fact that you couldn't switch them out made them, um, well, it made them more, uh, had, they have personality, they weren't uh, d- disposable. And, and I don't remember any of them really ever feeling like, like oh I gotta I, I gotta use her or him in battle oh you know, I guess I have to if I if I really have to I'll do it it was never like that um but- well except for Gaius I mean <laughs> they were all fairly well balanced and uh, you know like they you know like they get all gave a different feel in combat as well yeah and yeah. I mean, gun to my head, my, my least favorite combat-wise was Fie, just because I felt like, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> just, just because I kind of felt like Old I man. couldn't do a whole lot of AoE with her like the others. Oh, really? That's one of the things I actually liked about her, getting a Maybe. stealth. And I, she had, like, some smoke bomb attack that was, like, At high first. speed, too. Yeah. yeah. I guess I wasn't using her right. I tended to prefer characters that had a lot of um, AoE uh, crafts. So that I could just try to hit as many monsters as I could with um, one attack, but and and I'm not and I'm not saying that she was a bad character in combat or anything because when you used her right, like by using her stealth and her speed abilities, she was pretty she, pretty OP. I'm gonna uh, say one of her first crafts is like hand grenades or something. Maybe I'm misremembering because I, I remember like the speed was awesome, but also I remember really enjoying her because. She'd go first, and that's before the whole battlefield frickin' split up, before all the enemies were running. So they're kind of in their little area, and, you know, you're on your area, and before it all goes to hell, like, I'd always get a good AoE attack in with her. Yeah. I tended uh, to I tended to prefer in battle the, the people that I was also making connections with, like, story-wise, and I never mm-hmm. really cared too much for her personality and stuff, so... She was also never really somebody I enjoyed in, in combat. Yeah, I didn't feel like that she got a lot of good character development until later games. Yeah, her um her whole background doesn't come out till quite late. Uh well, let's see. You get no, I, I'm trying to think chapter 3 in the sewer, you find out she's part of the Jagers or whatever. Yeah, so, even, but I think you're right about where I think it was oh, like chapter the, 4 that she had her uh her showdown with Laura. I was going to say that the whole thing with Laura, that's more coming out. Yeah, but they're like two. Are, are they the they're two of the last ones before the, the new cast members arrive? I think that mm-hmm. get, that get their like their kind of their story wrapped up and revealed. But hers is teased, I think, before anybody else. When when the 
when they all fall through the trap door in the intro and uh, and land in the dungeon, she pulls out a like a grappling hook, I think, mm-hmm. and and she uses her quick reflexes to like shoot it at the ceiling and save herself from falling. Um, yes. And uh, um, instructor Sarah, I I don't know what she says to her. She, you know, so she obviously Sarah knows who she really is. And she says something to her along the lines of like, no, you have to go down there, too. And she kind of, oh, OK, fine. And she in, in her like typical like kind of voice. And, uh, and uh, it, it's 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 already clear from that moment, like okay, well, there's you know she's like she's the smallest of the bunch. She looks like a like a little girl, but she's not what meets the eye. <laughs> Another in a long line of Kiseki child soldiers. Because <laughs> it wasn't Sarah Yeager at one point too, or am I? Yes. Can, okay. Yes. I just remember that she was a bracer, or maybe she wasn't. She, she, she was oh, yeah, that, been, that that may have been later game, Kelly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a reason why Sarah is best girl. Bracer, <laughs> Jaeger, she did it all. Yep, hot teacher, you know. Yep. Uh, also kind of lecherous teacher, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, she yeah. Go there. She went there. <laughs> I mean, she promised them kisses for doing well. <laughs> it was just the alcohol talking. Well, that makes it so much better. <laughs> uh, that's an ex- excuse no educator should ever rely on. <laughs> Nope, 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 nope. S- says the educator. The flirting was only because of the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> See, and it's great. You can experience this in game format. You know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I look this stuff up, whatever, and there's always someone like, oh, my God, I can't believe they represented somebody like this. I can't believe they represent. You know what? You got to have some humor in something in these games somewhere. Yeah, it's fine. I- yeah. I mean, let's face it. This this game is basically a high school anime and video game. Oh yeah. Form, so of course oh, yeah. it's going to have those tra- tropes. Um, I can't remember if it was this one or one of the later ones that had a hot tub, or not a hot tub, a hot springs episode. Mm. Yeah, it's in one of the later ones. Yeah. Okay. I mean, per- Persona Five had a had a much worse. Um, so this what i know of persona 5 is not very much but i know right from the very first dungeon that's far worse depiction of a a, i think the gym teacher or something like that oh yeah like real creepy real creepy oh yeah that was the first one yeah Yeah, that that gym teacher is awful at least at least sarah kind of tones it down and does it more for laughs than for the creep factor but that that being said, if you're if you're not a fan of anime, you're probably not going to be fans of this series because yeah, it it gets pretty anime pretty quick. Um, e- even the NPCs can get a little bit pervy at times. Like I think one of the side quests is where you have to retrieve a photo or a lewd photo that one of the photo club kids took. That sounds right. <laughs> yep. I, I want right. to say the character's right name. Par. Yeah, I want to say the character's name was Monk. Was that Monk? Yeah, that must have been Monk. Yeah. And, and four and, games. I, I remember later Monk when he became, you know, the the head of the radio station. <laughs> and and audience, forgive me real quick if I get some of this stuff confused with stuff that happens in later games, because I'll be honest, all four of these games kind of run together in my head, especially since I played them so close together. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so, yeah, just just getting into the kind of the combat. I appreciated the fact that the combat in this series is so fast-paced and doesn't just feel like a slog. Press it, press the A button to get through the combat as quick as possible. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. There, so I guess you know. I guess it depends on whether you played it with the speed up option or not. Um, 
I, I will say, I love the combat. This gives me a lot of Grandia vibes with the whole placement, you know, movement around the battlefield, AOE, mm-hmm. um, you know, the turn orders there um, at all times showing you. So you can and you can affect that turn order. You, you can see that somebody's coming up and whack them and there are abilities that delay and whatnot. And, yeah. And you can always use your S crafts to kind of like, oh, yeah, jump forward in the in the queue and jump right in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really do love that. I love my turn based battle systems, but this really hits a great thing with all those like, you, you know, it's not just stand there and whack at each other. You are moving around. You are you can avoid stuff. Um you can bury someone in the back a little bit to keep them out of the way. Um, but God, I will say there isn't there a timer at the end of every battle. It shows you how long it's been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I do remember a couple battles going past 10 minutes. Not that like most encounters would, but uh, there, there are some longer battles that made me wish I had later. Yes. Yeah, some of those boss fights. Life improvements. Yes. I've had boss fights go 20 minutes like. Mainly because I didn't have the right orbman set up or I didn't know going into it. Like, what's this boss going to be weak to? And, oh, crap, I didn't bring anybody with, you know, orbman set up right for mad, uh, you know, fire damage or whatever. And and, and unfortunately, I'm, I was the type of person that I never really used a whole lot of magic because of the, the delay stuff just caused me too much anxiety. So I mostly relied on crafts um, throughout the majority of the, game, the series as a whole. So arts, arts and crafts. What did we all yeah. decide on? <laughs> you went the craft route. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I did too. I, I remember, and I can't wait. I, I still haven't played um, number two, but I, I know. I think it's been nerfed a little bit because in Trails in the Sky, oh my! I think that game, especially two and three, I used more arts than I ever have in any video game in my entire life. I'm much more a physical brawler in games, but I got the ornament set up better and just blew people away with magic. And I want to see if I can continue that as I go through Cold Steel better. So d- did you manually set up your ornaments or did you just let the AI take care of it? I did manual. Okay. I usually let the AI take care of it mainly because if, if I try to take care of it, then my OCD kicks in and I've got to look up spreadsheets. And <laughs> it's just too, it's too much for my brain to handle. So I, I prefer to just unequip everybody. Okay, my my main characters get all the best stuff, and then everybody else can have the leftovers. Yeah, wow. did, I mean, did, did the Vita version have that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, but I mean, the game I, does... I played this six months after Trails in the Sky, so I was already used to doing the math. Although you don't have to do that so much on this one. And and I I just wanted to kind of also point that out. Like you're already saying it in a way. It's um the game leans into the fact that it's it's not like here's a new game with a new combat system like this if you've played other oh, games yeah. in in the tangential series not you know it doesn't even have to be the exact same series you're going to be familiar with because the, there's quite a lot of stuff to come to t- come to grips with um but you'll know it already if you've played other trails games of of some variety right so um, yes. that's that's a plus point it's mm-hmm. you know that it does use the same combat system um but they're definitely not shy about like well, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on, and yeah, Kelly, I'm I'm kind of like you. I think it would be AI, or I would I would be too overwhelmed by it. And the nice part is that the the game does a really good job of explaining a lot of these systems to you. And I appreciate the fact that they give you the old schoolhouse dungeon at the beginning of each chapter, so you can kind of figure some of this stuff out before you get stuck with um, certain characters. I mean. Yes, but I always just saw the schoolhouse as uh, one like 
it was the least imaginative One more thing part of it. it. No, well, remember I said earlier I liked all the like the stuff to do, but yeah, yeah. I, we haven't really gotten into the the field studies yet, and like that was where the game really hit for me. And mm-hmm. the schoolhouse was just. Well, it's it's kind of the generic dungeon, and you have to do one floor at the at the beginning of each chapter. I just wanted to get to the travel section of the game and see the world a little bit. So yeah, I I don't remember having like great memories of the schoolhouse to be honest. No, I mean I appreciated the schoolhouse just because I like a good old fashioned dungeon crawl. That's just my my personality, and I I like that they kind of give you that playground to experiment with. Um, before you get kind of stuck in the game, or I don't want to say stuck, before you have to do the field study where you're not exactly sure what you're going to be running into. I was sitting here like trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, I was sitting here trying to think because like I, I hear you guys talking about like combat and that's where like I guess um, I kind of became a victim of what um, some of you guys are talking about where um <sighs> So I get very anal retentive about strategy and that's both like a good, but can be a horrible thing. And so I chose not to do the whole, let me just manually put this stuff in there. I tried to micromanage my party and the game was always like, as the moment I got into combat, they're like, F you, we're going to go behind Machias and your, you know, we're basically going to go right behind your, your two support characters, smack them down, gaze them so you can't do squat. <laughs> and I don't know, it was just, it was interesting. I, I have a loving relationship with the series because of the combat. It's good. But at the same time, like when I was playing it on normal or any higher difficulty, it was like, oh my gosh, like um, I, this would have been a time where I personally would have loved for this game to have come out in like the early 2000s just so I could go to um, GameStop and buy the strategy guide with the video mm-hmm. game. Because I'm not going to lie, it was like, it was fun, but oh my God, like when you're getting your but like it felt so like I, I I was started getting like my butt kicked toward the end, but on top of that, near the end, the bosses start healing themselves, and you're like, why, why? Oh man! <laughs> it's almost like this game would expect you to have gone to a military academy to learn all these things <laughs> to master the battle system. <laughs> No, I get it. There's a lot going on here, and I guess, you know, I'd played this only after one uh, Sky game, but I did micromanage in that a lot, so I, I was okay with this. And But you're right, just getting dropped into this, there's so many systems. You got your arts, you got your crafts, basically your magic, your physical um, special attacks, you got your S-craft, and different. you can set different S-crafts, and to do all this, it's all behind there with the orbment system. And what do you have, the little books that the orbs go into with the master courts and the mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of systems at play. But I think at the same time, you're right, because this is the first game of its own little series, They and you're, like, at school, they do a good job of telling you this stuff. And a lot of it comes out, um, what is it, Sarah makes you do stuff when she brings you to the training field with the class. A lot of those things even work there. Mm-hmm. And, and Kelly, I, I agree with you. Um, I know the schoolhouse kind of breaks up some of the other flow, but I, I loved going in there because I love this battle system so much. I was like, oh, cool. I can just like turn off my NPC brain for a while and just go battle for a couple of hours. Like, 
Yeah, that's exactly what I liked about the schoolhouse. It's like, run around, go kill some shit, uh, go find all the treasure chests, you know, f figure out the puzzle to get to some of the treasure chests, because some of them were kind of a pain to get to if you didn't know what to do. And I just, I love that kind of dungeon crawling in an RPG, and I appreciate it when RPGs <laughs> let you kind of do that. You know, uh, I'm sure part of it was just, you know, like the, the, the idea of the schoolhouse is just, you know, like if they hadn't had the schoolhouse, you would have had just huge amounts of time between field studies where you wouldn't have actually been, you know, doing any combat. So that was, oh, yeah, that was their way of, I, I, I'm sure, of like trying to mix in a little bit more of that to, to balance out all the, the story and lore that they're dumping on you. Oh, yeah, because because don't get me wrong. When I'm playing an RPG, if I go a certain amount of time without getting to do a little bit of combat, I get kind of frustrated. Agreed. Well, there's vast stretches of no combat in this game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think this is as bad as, like, a Xenosaga, where cutscenes went on for so long that they'd have save points in between them. But um, <laughs> th there certainly was quite a bit of... Um, quite a bit of dialogue scenes in this one though the fourth game in the series i think holds the record for the longest amount of dialogue for a specific scene that i'm thinking of mm. I, I mean i, I would I even go to the library each day and read the books and if, oh um, I, I love that in the trail <laughs> series i love all the little books and yeah. newspapers and all that stuff they have in there and there's a there's a table at the library where i think in each chapter there's a new selection of books and some of them are um like they tell uh, uh you know what i think it's not just the library now that i think about it i think you also can um can get some of them from like the vendors in town yeah and they're um well there's always they're, that one collectible book book series in each game that yeah Right, a but there's more than one. I think there's multiple book series in this one. Well, maybe some of them are like carryovers from previous games. I'm not sure. Um, but I read, I, wait, I read them all, except somewhere along the line, I missed like uh, chapter five out of nine. Like there's like a gap somewhere in the middle that I don't know what happened in, and it drove me crazy. And then you didn't get the special weapon at the end. <laughs> nope. I, I know there was something I, I was supposed to get, um, and I definitely didn't. Uh, and that was one of those things that I had to pretty much tell myself that I'm okay with not getting every single thing in the game, because otherwise I would have to sit there with my phone open with a strategy guide open the entire time to be able to get all of this stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that the fear of missing out causes me too much stress. <laughs> So I just have to tell myself it's okay if I don't find everything. It's And it's okay if I don't get a perfect score every chapter. Because, mm -hmm. my God, the amount of stress that that causes. Oh, trying to find all the hidden little quests. So you get all of the SP and make the right decisions. Like, oh, yeah, that kind of stuff can, 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 it can drive you nuts if you let it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was definitely your side quest article, Josh, that made me had to kind of be okay with mm -hmm. missing out on stuff. Yeah, I, I, I remember just having to do that with Yakuza, where there were just there's just so there's just too much. You just can't do it all. You just got to be okay with it, not doing everything. Oh, this one's book was uh, Red Moon Rose, which Kelly ends up uh, as the vampire. Yes. yes. Uh, well, well, I, I won't spoil the rest of the series for you, Pascal, but oh, it, it, right. it it it, it kind of leads into uh, events that come on later in the series. Ooh. Right. I didn't realize that they had set that up that early. Oh, they they do that in all their <laughs> they, they do that back in the sky games too 
Uh, I mean, this the story is just amazing. <laughs> I, I can't emphasize enough about this series. It's just how amazing the story is, and the the stuff that they set up so early, and the the, the payoff that it was like. Wait a minute, that they set that up four games ago. Oh my god! Um, you know, and, and be, being in vague intentionally because I can't. Obviously, we can't talk about it a whole lot because some people haven't played all four games, but having that kind of payoff some judgment in that statement i feel like no i'll get to it i'll get to it i promise <laughs> no it's more trying to try to be respectful of that spoiling stuff the next time i have 240 hours i think to, to spend on a game series i'll definitely do that one <laughs> have you played so like crossbell yet kelly come on <laughs> uh i'll shame each other i i, tr- I tried to and then <laughs> Uh, got a janky copy of the um, ISO and then found out that they were going to officially uh, localize it and was like, well, I ain't dealing with this shit anymore. I want to play the game version that works. <laughs> I mean, it just kind yeah, of but... occurred to me like how daunting it is, though, to talk about like there's four Cold Steel games. There's what, three Sky and now there's um, Crossbell games and this is, you know, reaching back even I mean, the, the rabbit hole goes deep and just this game by itself is I I mean I I said 80 hours earlier but if I if I remember right I think I was approaching 100 hours by the time I finished one playthrough I mean I do and so I do play slowly I will say like I and I've, I, I, I've alluded to it a couple of times already today. Like, I really take my time. But yeah, I think it was close to, it was in the 90s, I think. 90-something hours. So that's pretty daunting. Oh, yeah. I... I mean, there's so much to do. Like we were saying, there's you gotta you can find books um, hidden, and they're all time-sensitive in different chapters. There's, mm. I mean, I'll be money didn't come easily in this game, I don't believe, either. Mm-hmm. So there were some really big expensive things that you could buy. I mean, some were cosmetic, like the cover of your little book jacket that you have for your ornaments and everything. Those were really ridiculously expensive. And there's some expensive stuff here that, wow, you, you're just not going to have the money for unless you go dedicate the time to grinding. And I don't think but this at the same time, ha- they're kind of extra things that it's not like, oh, that next weapon that you want is going to be ridiculous. But it might have been like, oh, you want another copy of this or you want another one of these that you found it might cost you quite a bit and I, I don't think this one had costumes yet did it um it did uh, when in the remaster definitely had costumes okay because i'm not think sure the... i don't know if you had to purchase them this one though i don't know if like if that's what you mean like costumes to buy yeah uh, well um i know like three and four had like different colored wigs that you could give the characters or um... i think they have that too okay or they had like yeah, a little... i know that the vita version had that because I... oh yeah I, I I dropped some money on some of those things in the first game. I think they have yeah, little funny ears, that, casual yeah, clothes. Yeah. I was gonna say like universal yeah. stuff, like like you like your glasses and bunny ears. I think they had, but they also well, okay. So the remaster though did have um like character specific costumes. I don't remember any. I think Emma had like some kind of like an evening gown or or something that looked like it. Um, other than that. You're asking, um, you would ask me to to lie, I don't remember. Because in-game costumes is the stupid thing that I'll spend in, in-game money on. Let me be clear, in-game money. I very rarely ever buy costumes with actual money in, in video games. But <laughs> when it comes to the choice between a weapon or giving my character bunny ears, pff, give me the bunny ears. 
And my favorite thing is to put characters in the most ridiculous costumes imaginable and then have them in the uh, major cutscenes. Oh, yeah, that's good. But yeah, uh, talking about versions of this game, I did the whole Vita PS3 transferring thing with this, which, um, you know, seemed like a tall order buying both versions when they were brand new. But I so I bought the Vita version brand new and didn't get around to playing it and then later on when i got hardcore into the series i found the ps3 versions of of both cold steel one and two for like 20 bucks each and that that's pretty much how i played through both of those games it's like okay transfer the data put it on my vita bring it upstairs playing it play it in bed you know play it on the couch and then like on the weekends when i had dedicated time to, to sit on my couch and play then play on the ps3 and it was kind of nice playing it like that because it meant that you know i could play the game on my own time Uh, and and it was also nice because the ps3 version definitely was played better the the vita version was okay but there were some areas that it definitely chugged in heimdar i remember it really struggled with I didn't. I didn't have too many problems with the Vita versions of either game. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's was just like I was low frame rate in some areas. <laughs> it certainly oh, was. That's something I might not notice because <laughs> I play so many games on the Vita and 3DS that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way: It wasn't like the the paranoia-inducing uh, cause for alarm that the Switch version of three was, where I was saving every after every scene because I kept getting uh, soft locks and crashes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't unstable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Wait. Which, p- people wanting the Switch versions of these two games, um, you don't want to wish on that monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> but like the the, uh, the I never got around to playing the PS4 version. I played some of the PC version. Uh, the PS4 version got the upgrade where you could fast, where you could speed up, uh, go into turbo mode, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I know the PS, the PC version had that. It's very welcome when you're going from one place to another, just trying to get around. And and I was so frustrated when they announced those PS4 versions because I had literally just dropped $40 on 1 and 2 for the PS3. And... <laughs> I was kind of mad. Yeah, and I was kind of mad that they released those at a $40 price point when they were what, several years old at that point and you could still get yeah. their originals. Yeah. Some goodies with it though. Well, well, yeah. I think that that also had to do with the fact that uh by that point NIS had already gotten uh, the the series going forward with 3 and Exceed still had the rights to 1 and 2, so that you know, uh, Falcom had actually done the PS4 versions, so it was kind of like, well, okay, we'll put these out, even though we're not having the ones going forward. So, but you know, we're charging forty bucks. This is it. You know what? I never did the um. Would you just call it the the ultra what <laughs> turbo mode? <laughs> I can't turbo remember. mode, yeah. I never used it. Really? Okay. Well, I, I I so either because you know what when you asked that I I didn't remember if it had it. Maybe I wasn't aware of it, but I feel like I probably still wouldn't have used it. Um, I don't want to break the immersion. Mm-hmm. I, I like using it for trivial battles or for spots where you're just running back constantly, running back and forth between two spots. I can see that. Yeah. Um, some I, ha- of those I haven't experienced this yet, so it's sad. I got my Vitas. <laughs> Because some of those field areas get pretty large, and then when you get into the Nord Highlands, where it's so huge that they give you a horse to travel around, um, 
that field Logan? study in particular was like my kind of my like whoa i didn't realize that this game was going to be this huge <laughs> it's falcom finding ocarina of time yeah yeah because <laughs> there was a lot of stuff to find in those nord highlands yeah, it's also one of the few times you you aren't in an, an urban setting. Mm-hmm. And, and credit to the PS5 because they they made that engine shine with uh, that area. PS5? No, I'm sorry, the PS3. My bad. Wrong odd number. Yeah, my bad. No, um, I mean, you know, a lot of PS3 games haven't aged really well, but I, I think the visuals and the series age perfect just because of the cell shading and the anime style it's amazing it looks it looks as good as it does considering like falcom is not they're not a huge developer i think at this point they probably only had like 40 maybe 50 employees total Mm -hmm. so it's not a not a giant team but you know like there's a huge jump in the visual fidelity if you go back and look at the crossbell games versus these games so like they 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 started churning out some pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, that's right. Because Crossbow was still doing the isometric stuff, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Uh-huh. So this this was their first true 3D. Mm. I would even go so far to point out that even within the series, you see the jump. Because um, what was it? Tales of not. Oh my god. <laughs> Trails of Cold Steel. I think Trails of Cold Steel three was the one that. Went on to PS4, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you definitely see a more shiny, um, crisp uh, uh, jump there. I don't know. I I I appreciated the the aesthetic jump that they did um, with that one too. Uh, so I, I would say even say like even within the series, you've kind of seen how you know between one and even just three, how uh, they've really um, grown. And what happened when they switched to it? I think it was another engine, but I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to, I'd have to see if that's right. I was about to ask if this had shared any engines with the Ease um, Eight no. engine or not. No, no. E- Ease uses a different engine from uh, Trails. Okay, I wasn't sure how much crossover that stuff had. I have no clue how much crossover they have in terms of like art assets and stuff like that, but I do know they use different engines. They always use the same fonts. I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could definitely tell a Falcom game by the font. <laughs> I mean, as, as long as we're on the topic of um, visuals, this isn't really visual as much as it is, I think, more of a design thing, but it definitely affects the visuals. Um, so Cold Steel 1, mm, yeah, it's pretty much like my favorite collection of like cities I've ever been in in a game. Um I just love when I when I wrote the review, I think it's in there somewhere. The way I described it is like I really felt like um, somebody (laughs) that it was somebody's job at the developer to lay down each brick like one by one and build that house and then build the house next to it by like Mm -hmm. rowing up bricks, you know, Um, and building that wall piece by piece and then building whatever's inside. Uh, I don't I and I probably can't put my finger on it like in any like real useful tangible way of what it is 
but something about the design just i love the cities that you go to that's probably why the nord highlands like you were like you were very impressed by them and to me it's like my least favorite area because there's no like buildings for me to stare at it seems so strange to like oh, i love the buildings in that game but i really do like every other game by comparison to me every, any pick an rpg and i would say like okay well that that looks like an rpg town or that looks like a video game village but like but in cold steel like as an example um heimdall which is i think that's the capital right yeah that's mm-hmm. the capital yeah uh-huh. but but I think this applies to any of the cities you go to, it, or even the school campus. Like that just feels like that was a. That's not a, a a game space. That looks like somebody planned a city <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and built the city. Not like oh, let's pop a building here and pop a building there. Like it was built. It was constructed. I love it. I think what I love about them is that they have each of these little towns and cities that you go to, they all have their own unique style, but they still somehow kind of fit into an overall aesthetic for Erebonia. Like they all look like, yeah, these all could be in the same country and you don't get that RPG thing that you, you, that you sometimes do where, Oh, we're going to have the ice mountain city and then we're going to have the desert city. Like, no, there's none of that kind of stuff. Like all of these places look like real unique places, but they still kind of feel like they're still within the same sort of aesthetic that fits in together not not only are they unique unique places but the the areas within the cities themselves have um districts that are unique enough that you know how sometimes you go to an rpg town and you get lost because you feel like you're going over the same streets over and over again and there's no visual distinction between any of the areas in the city oh yes yeah none of the games in cold steel ever feel like that to me no they're like what uh pascal said you know someone you know, came up with a design for one house and then specifically came up for the design for the next. They weren't copy and pasting along the way. I mean, I mean well, not just that, but the fact that they they took the time to give each part of the city like a, a, mm-hmm. a kind of a silhouette in a way so that you can visually distinguish it from other parts of the city so that mm. when you're in yeah. the entertainment district or, um, or, or the noble district in like Heimdall, for example, you can tell it just by looking at the skyline. Like you can sense the realism, right? Like it's it's definitely mm-hmm. not like I don't know. Make a city, make a street in a city. Just program it in, copy and paste it. Like no, this feels real. It, it, it evokes that similar feeling of like when you're in your town that you're familiar with, you just kind of know where everything is without even thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Like kind of like real organic kind of. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you go to a foreign town, you don't recognize where you are, you don't recognize your landmarks and stuff like that, and you feel lost, And versus your own hometown, where you kind of know where everything is, just because of the, the, the look and the feel. And that's the the feel that all the Cold Steel cities give to me, like, they're familiar. Yeah. T- to the point where, like, even playing a little bit of Crossbell, and um, p- playing that main you learned city. learned that city really well. Yeah. Um, that, that made it the Calvert Republic, which they actually show in one of the later Cold Steel games. It's like, I know this place. I've, I've been here before. I, I know exactly where I am and where everything is. And that blew me away. And it's it's so, um, I, I, like, I want to say unpretentious, but that isn't really the right word. It's, it's so, you know what? It's so, like, 
looks so freaking ordinary, but in like the best way possible. Like it just looks like a normal place, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like you get to go to the, it's one of you said earlier, I think maybe somebody said you get to go to the radio station. Like <laughs> that's some ordinary stuff right there, um, which is great. <laughs> I worked at a radio station for five years, so when I went there, it felt like going home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'll take your word for it. I don't know if that – I've not worked at a radio station, but it's just – it's I don't know. It's so nice. It's a, It's just like a regular town for regular people. Nothing – nothing uh, that the buildings aren't like, whoa, look look at that architectural style. It's it's so out of this world and unique, you know, like it's it's just stinking ordinary. I love it. I mean, how did how did you feel about the marketplace town? Mm. Not so much. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember, like other than other than the, the marketplace stalls, I, I don't remember a lot of it because um, that's the place where I, you, I, I know I spent some time like with a side quest or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted brick. I like the brick and mortar buildings. <laughs> It just going to the marketplace town for me was like going to Ren Fair and see, mm. seeing all the booths and stuff. And it's like, oh, I, I miss Ren Fairs. I was gonna say, as far as like, would it would it be um, right to say that perhaps the reason why the towns and stuff are so lively, realistic, however you want to describe it, is the fact that because unlike other RPGs where it's like, you know all right, we have to travel across desert to get to the desert town. Okay, now we have to go to this tundra and, you know, get through this icicle thing to go to icicle town. And now we got to take an airship to go to, you know, I don't know, the the castle in the sky that, you know, instead of like um, <laughs> that, that a lot of the, the strengths of it is the fact that it takes its time. But also you have this really big elaborate story in this place where they're literally plopping the plot like in just one area and going like, look, this is all that we're going to focus on versus like, OK, we're going to be here for like, you know, five to ten hours. Then we're going to move to, you know country on the way other side over here then we're going to go to the sky then we're going to go underground like that kind of thing i mean it could be yeah you're not always traveling over long distances to get to the next city you're on the cold steel man and you're riding the rails and so that may be you know they could focus on the areas not the in-betweens and and not to mention that each chapter is kind of its own self-contained story with hints of an overarching story that you don't really get into until much, much later in the game. Well, most of this game is basically just about setting up the rest of the games to come. Mm-hmm. Like we were we were kind of talking about that last night, kind of in the pre-show for this. And like, you know, like the the overall plot is just, you know, like it there isn't that much to the plot per se in this game that at least moves the overarching story forward. Cause all of this is just about introducing you to the characters, introducing you to Erebonia, kind of getting you for a feel for the conflict that's obviously brewing between the nobility and the reforming faction and you know it's kind of like setting up everything that's going to come later yeah yeah very and much even has, oh, go ahead pascal just just uh just agreeing with josh it very much has uh the vibes of an of an of an 80 plus hour introduction 
Yeah. Like just you know, in in the way that the characters are very very slowly set up. That's that's like classic introduction, you know. Instead, of, but it, it in instead of here's the here's the uh, the introduction to your game. We're gonna meet all the characters and know who they all are in the first thirty minutes. It's get ready, strap in. Because you'll know who they are, but not till after 40 hours in or 60 hours in. Then you'll know who your characters are. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's that way in a meta sense, too. Because you're, you're preparing the player for all of this. But what was the stated purpose of Class 7? What's the stated purpose of where they go to all their field studies? You, you find out later that they were put together to be, you know, a not just noble, not just commoner group of people. And then they get sent to all these areas to see where the commoner versus noble push and pull is happening and what it's like all across the land. So, well, literally, these people are at a school and are being the strings pulled behind the scenes to put them in certain areas um, to see this class struggle. It's also teaching you, the player, about this country and what it is, too. So, I mean, it, it, the school setting works more than just, hey, we're making a school anime game. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it, it takes it beyond that. And listen, we're taking you to school with these people to see what we've set up in this world. And yeah, and I, the, go ahead, Kelly. Oh, get, get, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the game, into game two, but I appreciate the fact that it lets you get to know all these characters in one so that you can pretty much start up Cold Steel 2 hitting the ground running. And when all the stuff goes down in Cold Steel 2, it because if you played one, it actually makes you care so much more about the characters in Cold Steel 2 without diving too much into spoilers. I'm, I'm, I'm being vague intentionally. Because um, as far as sto storytelling is concerned, like to me, you, you really got to spend a lot of time with characters before, you know, get to know them before you start, you know, putting them through the ringer uh -huh. in a way. And that's that's how I felt about this game after playing through Cold Steel, too. It's like, yeah, I'm really got, glad that I got to spend so much time with all these characters kind of in a more <laughs> relaxed setting. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I like how. Even like, um, and and I'm not. I'm, this isn't spoilers. Um, but I like how um, even like further down in the series, you still get callbacks to those to those uh, two moments in the first one. Like I, I would say, like one of the things I like, but that's also because I'm a very nostalgic person, mm -hmm. is when you they talk about hindsight, but you were there, so it feels very. How do you say? It? Like it feels very like aching, like. Um, let's just say you had two characters, you know, in the middle of a very dark, sad moment. And they're like, ah, well, remember when, you know, it was easier and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, oh, yes, I remember that. Like, I had so many moments <laughs> like that. And I would say a lot of those moments were the reason why, you know, even like moving forward, you're just like, oh, like it, it, it rewards the people who pay attention to the story, pay attention to the details and really absorb themselves in the um, in the story. And, and Pascal, don't worry about it. I mean, it, it's not a bloodbath in the second chapter or anything. It's just a lot of these mm -hmm. relationships and a lot of this innocence is kind of put to the test in the second chapter. Mm. I still worried a little bit. Um, I like <laughs> I like the innocence. <laughs> 
I I, I feel like I'm gonna. I I think I'm 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 like Jervon in that way. Um, I'm nostalgic, and I want them to stay that way. Please don't change. I mean, we were talking earlier about how uh, the last book of Harry Potter, like the first half of the book, just feels like it was wasted, and then the second half of the book is like, oh my god, this was amazing. Why did you waste my time with the first half? Well, I didn't say it was amazing. Okay, I <laughs> I, I did like the ending of Harry Potter way back in the day. Um, uh, I could have stopped at uh, Order of the Phoenix, so I'm okay yeah, that's, without that's that true. other stuff. <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to get at is that you yeah. don't feel like both parts are wasted. No. When you play part two. No, yeah, I, I believe you. Um, I one, You know what, though? One of the things that I – so, okay, I understand now. Like, this is, you know, just probably something I'm going to like about the first installment. I get it. It Even at the end of game one, it – like the last um what chapter maybe two chapters uh it become far more personal as far as like the character story goes and and reen specifically in his story mm-hmm. and and i mean we are allowed to spoil game one so yeah. you know reen and crow right specifically um so i get it but what i what i like about the majority of the game so i, I really like this is it's so um and matt i think was talking about it earlier like it's so continental it's more like to me I, so I really thought about how to express this um almost probably almost every game i i, I play uh is so you you have a group of characters and the story revolves around them and like the world or at least like as you experience it the world revolves around them because it's like only the world is only important in the sense of like when the characters walk through the town or interact with it but i feel like in cold steel like your characters are there and the world exists completely like apart from them they they don't you know it doesn't revolve around them they don't make like a huge like their being there is is not what what causes things to happen and i would say in some in some instances like their being there is pretty inconsequential to what happens um and so i i kind of love that that the the world feels like a real world and you're just kind of in it checking out parts of it that, that's part of what i love about this game too that that it feels like well, I mean, there's a number of instances in this game where, you you know, the class has to get bailed out by the adults, basically, you know, mm-hmm. like you've lost and like, oh, the Sarah has to come along and kind of bail you out, you know, and it feels realistic. It's not the kids solving all the world's problems. It's, you know, like they're they're still just kids. Yeah. And it kind of builds into it like you have to go along through, you know, 300 hours before you get to the point where, like, you know, your characters are actually there and ready to take on, you know, take on the world. Also, really refreshing not to have to defeat God at the end of this one. Oh, <laughs> yes. Finally. I, guys, like I it's actually it, it popped when Pascal God. said. <laughs> it popped when Pascal said continental because, yeah, I mean, all these games are so focused on what's going on in them. And I know Sky gets a little metaphysical and possibly world changing towards the end. But like in general, it's, you know, it's political intrigues. You know, you're shooting the chancellor, um, whatever. You're not, you know, in space fighting God. I, again, I keep going back to that. So these are relate. They're also relatable things. Um, to, you know, we see political things going on in our world. We see all the little things that the characters worry about in life. 
um, in, in the little towns and everything. It, you've got that slice of life, but it's also not ridiculously going beyond. Uh, Don't yeah, know what happens in Cold Steel 4, and I'll wait to get there for a year or two. But, you know, it. and, and yes, there's a lot of metaphysical things that go on in the Sky and the Crossbell games. But like, again, it's not like we're going could, to destroy the world and burn it down. And Could you imagine if it, if it got to the point where they were like piloting giant mechs fighting each other like, I don't know, like on the school campus? Like that would be so fucking ridiculous. Um, I hate to break it to you. But <laughs> thank, it, thank God Cold Steel knew better. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like a good Japanese anime. Yeah, you, you find you a... You don't say. You find a giant robot in this the school. <laughs> oh, that's what's it, that's the point of the whole mansion down there. To but hide at least, the big robot. At least at least the bad guy doesn't also have one and you have to fight them off. Nope, he has one too. Oh, okay. Different color. Uh, when they I'm not sure if I could tell if I could tell that Crow was going to be the bad guy from the beginning just because he seemed so kind of lovable and innocent. So his heel turn kind of hit hit me where it hurt because I was like, "No, Crow, we were such good friends." And yeah, when he shot the Chancellor, it was like, "Oh, Crow, you you shot me in the heart." And then you get into the giant robot fight, and he, sh- he shot the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> but he did not shoot the chancellor. No. And I, I don't know who guys, who you guys' uh, maximum character boost was, but mine was Gaius. So, like, right at the end of that fight, he's pounding on the glass of the giant robot. And it's like, no, please don't go. Don't go. And then the giant robot shoots off into the sky. And then that's where the game ends. Mm. And I dropped I I had my... Lisa. Yeah. I dropped my controller. And it's like, what? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I so I I I was kind of snooping around as I was playing the game because I'm not gonna lie, there was part of me that kind of got to the point where I was like, "How long is this game?" And I found it was long, or longer, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna keep going with it." But on top of that, it was also like everybody's like you know they wouldn't spoil it, which I was like, "Thank God they didn't." But I was like, they were like, "Just wait for it, wait for it." Wait for it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. And then shit happens at the end. And yeah, for me, it was Machias pounding on the on the <laughs> on the mech. And I'm not going to lie. I cried. Kind of ugly cried. It was horrible. <laughs> um, I was really attached. And I was like, you're literally just going to y'all just going to like throw this, <laughs> throw this, you know, at the end, like just like that. I was just like, oh my gosh. But yeah, and I think they did pretty good um, with uh, having, um, with Crow, like building it up to that. I didn't suspect him, but then when I went back, my brain started doing the, I guess you could say, reverse math, where I started going, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, Crow it starts with the letter C. Yeah. Oh, true. Not not a great clue necessarily. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, go, yeah. In retrospect, you know, like in retro, yeah, that was. Yeah, I didn't. I'm I'm right there with Javon. I didn't I didn't see that one coming. So I was I like, know, I that because I know some people like, well, duh, this and that, and I was like, well, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I was gonna say I don't know if you guys know this as a as a little um, Easter egg, and I laughed my butt off when I saw this. Um, if you maxed out. Um, Crow's, uh, 
Crow's uh, link, you get a um, uh, an achievement called Bad Cromance. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nope, I didn't get that. No, that's nope, hilarious. definitely didn't. Yeah, I, when um, I saw no. that pop up, I was like, "Oh, thanks for the Lady Gaga reference." <laughs> I would not expect Lady Gaga reference in a Trails of Cold Steel game, but yeah. I, okay, are you I, sure I that's that a Lady Gaga fun. reference? Oh, what? Is it a Lady Gaga reference? That, I feel like yeah. I might be going... Romance, her song caught in a bad romance. I mean, I'm pretty sure oh. there's movies that are older than, than Lady Gaga that have that title, too, though. Touche, touche. I, 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 wouldn't, say, have, I, mean, I wouldn't have pegged it that way. years ago, I was in college and had some bad romances, so, I mean... <laughs> Now, what, one more thing before we have to take a break and get into the round table, but I want to ask you guys, well, pa- Pascal and... Oh, uh, we have to. Pa- Pascal and Matt are exempt because they haven't played two. Woo-hoo. But did you have access to two right away, or did you have to s- suffer and wait to find the conclusion of that cliffhanger? Oh, I can still I, answer that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, obviously, you had to, you're having to suffer and wait. No, I have to, and I actually played the first, like, 20 minutes of it. Okay. So I, I, you know I, what? I had to know how the cliffhanger continued. <laughs> but that's all i got okay and, and you know what pascal i have two as well and i played one <laughs> four years ago five years ago now we'll talk about that and i did and i don't know if it was really immediately but pretty soon after i did the prologue for two and haven't done oh. anything else so that yeah, was gotta, two hours you gotta know how yeah. it continues but then like yep. then it's okay to take a break after that yeah okay <laughs> i have <laughs> So for me, it was, okay, credits are done, pop the disc out, pop the second disc in, import my save file, and I got to know what happens. Mm, nope, nope, I, I played it when it came out, so I got, I was, it wasn't that long, I'm trying to remember, the second game came out like nine months later, something like that, it was the next year. Yeah. So I got in a second playthrough before the second game came out. <laughs> oh, awesome. And, and, and that's with your reading everything, too. So you must have <laughs> chugged through it. Well, I don't think I had to read everything the second time through. What about you, Jervon? Um, I would say, so mine, I got I got into it when I guess there was already the announcement for the second one, but I still had to wait a bit. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was a bit of a wait. And then, um, and then the second one happened and um i yeah and and ironically like i i was having a well i was also i'll talk a a little bit later about what you know about around the time i started the game series but um suffice to say there was just like a lot of transitioning going on and so i kind of lost track of the game but then ironically it was around the time that i uh finally got the guts to um, put in an application to volunteer for RPG Gamer, even though I've been like quietly stalking since like 2002, like for dial-up, 2000, 2003. Anyway, point being is, and then I remember being told that there was a code for the second one. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the perfect time for me to finish the second one. Because um, I had the other one on Vita, so yeah. Um, and, so it was a bit of a wait, but not too much of a wait. And, and yeah, Josh, you were right because the the first one came out in December, and then the second one came out in September of that year. So that's that's pretty a pretty good turnaround. Mm-hmm. Especially given these games' size. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, ter- so it turns out, um, Matt and me, who are the two that actually had access right right from the beginning, uh, well, like finishing the first one and we could have gone right into the second one have given ourselves a self-imposed waiting time that's longer than anybody that i had to actually wait for the release (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that that being said, I hope around a year from now you'll have played it by then because we're going to have to cut this one off now because I don't want to bring up any more thing until we have the official backtrack for Cold Steel 2. All right, uh, put it on the schedule for next year. It, I'll play. it, it will be. It, it certainly will be. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna have to take a break because we went quite long for this uh, main event, just g- going on and on and on about the story. But it's such a dense story that you can't not gush about it. But I think I think we're, we're gonna get in- scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah, j- just a little bit. But we're gonna get into our more personal touch at the roundtable, talking about best girl, best song, best side quest, all the best stuff. So we will be right back after a brief musical interlude. Our good friend Andy the Wizard is doing some distance learning right now, so he sent in his thoughts virtually about Trails of Cold Steel Part 1, so take it away, Andy. Hi everyone, Andy here again. RP Gamer was nice enough to let me ramble on about another game series I am a fan of. Sen no Kiseki, or as it's done outside Japan, Trails of Cold Steel. Obviously, being on this podcast means I love JRPGs, but shamefully, I didn't even know about Cold Steel until 2017 when I saw a bunch of promotional items in GameStop promoting Cold Steel 3. At the time, I was deep into Persona 5, but my interest was piqued at the prospect of having a new series to sink my teeth into after I beat it. I ended up doing a new game plus on Persona and Life and Me. But finally, in December of 2019, I saw PS Now had the PlayStation 3 versions of Cold Steel 1 and 2. In a bit of real life fortune, my job gives me two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. And believe me, I spent every day of those two weeks playing. After just a few hours, I was hooked. Cold Steel was my first Legend of Heroes game. When I saw that this was on PS Now, I did some further research into it to see if I can use this as a starting point or should I go all the way back to Trail to the Sky FC. Weighing my options, I decided to jump in here and if I was satisfied, I can go back to play the other times. My favorite moment of Cold Steel would have to be not knowing anything about the larger universe of the series and being rendered speechless when Valimar appeared and then the Panzer Soldats and then Ordeen. These went from regular turn-based battles to Gundam fights at the snap of a finger. Typically something of this caliber is introduced much earlier in a game, or it's just the main gameplay style. But this was literally introduced in the last 20 minutes of the game and made you an offer you can't refuse in regards to continuing the series. Being a JRPG, there always has to be a best boy-girl debate. I'm honestly torn on this because the characters are so well-written and have such believable backstories for why they are the way they are. It's not impossible to choose who's best. However, for the sake of this podcast, favorite girl, in my opinion, would have to be Fee. In battle, she can be made into a powerhouse with unmatched speed, and outside battle, 
Her mysterious but caring nature and rivalry with Laura makes her a very interesting character. I may end up catching a lot of flag for making the obvious choice here, but I think Reen is best boy. He's reliable, a natural leader, friendly, seems to genuinely want to help people without wanting anything in return, and doesn't want his parentage to change how people treat him. To me, contrasted to all the other males in the party, with the exception of Gaius, he seems a natural fit for best boy. One of the marks of a good JRPG is the music, and truly good ones can be immediately identified with only a few notes of one of its tracks. My favorite song in the game would have to be the North Highlands theme, Land of Blue Skies. The first time I played this, I had to just stop and let this song play because I immediately loved it. The song has an indelible quality that makes it unforgettable and it fits the area it plays in absolutely perfectly. I have so many memories playing this game. I originally started Trails of Cold Steel in December of 2019, like I said earlier, while on Christmas vacation from work. But unfortunately, my work schedule upon returning didn't allow me any time to game. When the quarantine of 2020 happened, this was the first game I picked back up with the abundant free time I had. Even playing 8 to 10 hours a day, it still took almost 3 weeks to finish. I learned the valuable lesson to put Trails games on easy. I have so many fond memories of a good majority of the games I play. But, due to many circumstances, Trails of Cold Steel has a special place in my memories. Warm and fuzzy, because I had just found something new and wonderful and was diving headfirst into it to see what was there. One of my first thoughts of the game was, this is what I wanted Final Fantasy VIII to be. Playing through the game, I kept thinking, this definitely isn't your typical RPG with its slower-paced, intricate, somewhat Machiavellian plot. Most of the time, games will make sure you know who the heroes are, who the villains are, and why they're doing what they are doing. Trails, however, introduces you to people, and you are just left to wonder, are they actually telling the truth, are they lying, or are they just out to their own ends? One of the things I really loved was the school aesthetic, and how it was a large part of the game, and not just part of your character's backstory. Thor's Military Academy and the surrounding town of Trista reminded me a lot of my own hometown, and I was further immersed in the narrative of the game. I felt like I was returning home from a long trip every time I'd get off that train and see the town again. Not many games can evoke that level of feeling and sentimentality, but this one absolutely did. These were just some of the points of Trails of Cold Steel I wanted to talk about. Honestly, there are so many I could ramble on for hours. Like I've said before, if you haven't played this game, play it. I do suggest getting the PS4 version, however. The uprest graphics and speed booster really do come in handy, and it's on sale quite often on PlayStation Network. Thank you all for listening, and thank you guys at RPG Backtrack for giving me this time again. Game on, everybody.
And welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where now we are going to get into the Trails of Cold Steel roundtable, where we kind of get into our personal feelings about the game, our thoughts, our favorite things about each aspect, and see which. Okay, the first question I put in here, just because it it's something that kind of comes up a little bit, is how how did you get into Trails? Um, what was your Trails? Um, I want to say Virgin moment. <laughs> Well, that's subtle there. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I've got a very special co-host on another podcast that I run. Uh, I, I've mentioned it before, I do a Slime Time podcast all about Dragon Quest, but I also have a second co-host on that uh, podcast, and we do side quest episodes um, where we just talk about, heck, in October we talk scary movies, and we've done Star Wars and just a bunch of other stuff. But um, we've been friends for years through a website um forums and i think it, this is actually how we got started on our yearly contest back in 2017 um we had both gotten a vita and we're looking for something to play and i hadn't jumped into trails of anything yet so he mentioned that he had a psp he hadn't gone vita yet and i was like oh is there something we can both play and we're like oh trails in the sky we hear about this a little bit um so we both jumped in the trails in the sky he crapped out in about 20 hours. I did the whole thing and turned around uh, pretty early the next year and got in a cold seal after that. So that's yeah, my that, trails moment. That's pretty much how I got into trails because um, so Exceed had announced the localization of like six PSP games where three of them were the Yeez games. And then I think three of them were going to be the uh, Trails in the Sky series. And it turned out that they had only ever released the first Trails in the Sky physically. And the other one was digit. I think the other one was digitally. And then they didn't even bother with Trails the third. But when they finally announced that um, second chapter was going to be uh, finally available, I was like, okay, now is the time to get into this. And I, I had the physical copy, but at that point I'd had my Vita. It's like, you know, what? I want to play both of these on the same system. So I double dipped, bought, uh, bought both of them on my Vita and played through them over a couple of months, both of them over a couple of months. And those were two games that like I could not put down, uh, to just rip right through them towards the very end. And that that's how Estelle, uh, Estelle Bright became one of my favorite video game characters of all time, because I think that she, She's one of the like best one of the best written female characters I've ever seen in a video game, and yeah, once I heard about Cold Steel, it's like okay, s sign me up. I I'm ready for this, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll get into more what I how I got into Cold Steel when we get into our memories about the game itself. But yeah, that's how I got in. Oh, you're lucky. See, I got in. I uh, strangely, even though like I've become a big Falcom fan in recent years, like I, I never played any of the other Legend of Hero games, and uh, you know the 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 first three, the Gargav trilogy does not have the greatest reputation. But I, I remember reading a bunch of good reviews about Trails in the Sky, and uh, so I jumped in on that on the PSP and just absolutely adored that game. And yes, suffered through the whatever it took, like four years for a second chapter to finally come out <laughs> after that horrific cliffhanger at the end of first chapter. <laughs> yeah. God, I couldn't imagine waiting so many that many years for that. Uh, there were a lot of times where, where you just didn't know if it was actually ever going to come out. <laughs> if you're just going to never know what happened. <laughs> 
Um, Pascal, Gervon? Um, I was going to say, so I, um, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more when we get to like the more, I guess, the, the personal side of it. But ironically, it involved having vertigo for the first time. And um, also it ended up, um, uh, I, I just kind of like randomly was like on my Vita and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure there aren't any good games out, but let me check to see if there's like a sale. And um, Trails of Cold Steel 1 on Vita was for $5. And I looked at the trailer and I was like, oh. But then I saw it and I was like, oh my god. This is like old, this is like old school like JRPG. Like it, it, everything in the trailer just kind of like resonated with me in this. Oh my god, this feels like a callback to PS2 um, era. And so I was like, yes, sign me up. And then, yeah, uh, it, it went from there, so... Um, all right. Well, I have two answers for this. Uh, boring answer and then like maybe slightly more um, exciting. So boring answer. Um, I had uh, Cold Steel installed on my PS3. Uh, I, I, I this I think I I think Mac had sent me a code for it. Just, it, it wasn't like a review. It was just randomly like, here's a code. Um, never played it. And then I ended up playing it because um, Exceed uh, sent a the PS4 version to my house. And it was really just, oh, here's that. And we don't have a review for it. Okay, I guess this is time to play it. Because um, obviously I'd heard of, you know, how, how good it was by then. And I had zero excuses left to not play it at that point. So kind of boring. Um, so more more interesting than that is years before any of that, uh, first time I ever went to E3, I think it might have been 2016. I don't I don't remember if it was that or 2017 or whatever it was. Um, the very first game I was uh, scheduled to go see on my first day uh, on the on the show floor was uh, Trails 2. So this was when it was releasing. Um, so I went to the uh, XC booth and the person they paired me with and I, I couldn't have like told you ahead of time who that was going to be. Um, but she introduced herself and it was um, Brittany Avery. And uh, she told me she's the lead uh, translator on the, on the cold steel games. So um, I got to talk to uh, like the person basically responsible for like all that, like the lore that crosses like the entire like trails universe of the side characters that pop up in one franchise. And then they're they're you know, Eight years earlier, they were popping up in another franchise in a different city in a different country and all this other stuff, like the way it all connects and ties together. So um, like she was very, you know, she knew about it all. And so I, I spent um, I think I, lo I, I looked at the game for 10 minutes and then I spent like another 50 minutes just like talking to her and just listening about trails because that's how knowledgeable and um, and excited about it she was. So yeah, it was a it was a, a crash course. <laughs> I, I wish Anna was on because I, I Anna would know for sure if she was the one that was responsible for the chess oh. jokes. Uh, she I know she did them in the third chapter. I, I it was um, I think it was Jessica Chavez who did that in the original first game. Okay. But yeah, like Brittany has still been working on, you know, like uh, she left Exceed, so she's continued to work on the Trail series for NIS and kind of a freelance capacity for, over the last few games, too. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So uh, now that we've got through that, um, did you guys have a favorite or funniest moment from the game that you wanted to talk about? Um, my funniest moment is um, a picture that Josh found. <laughs> Yeah. Set the that, stage for us, Josh. 
And Carrie, okay, are you really so... going to use that as a thumbnail? Yes. <laughs> okay, well then there you go. <laughs> it's the picture that everybody's looked at if you clicked on this on, on rpgamer.com. T- to be fair, I don't think that the um, text is going to be large enough that you're going to be able to see it on the site. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a mood. <laughs> yeah, this th- it's from uh, when they were like uh, preparing for the school festival and they were going to do their music set. And I think Crow and Reen were in charge of making the uh, the the dresses for the girls, the the costumes, and and Reen is coming over and looking at Crow's uh, scribble, his his notes in the comet, his notes in the margins, and you know, Crow is going like, what 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 what's with these comments in the margins? Optimal bounce vectors, show dim titties. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Crow. Well, once again, like, the I, game is I very like highbrow anime. Anime? <laughs> just a little. I just appreciate highbrow humor in any form, really. <laughs> oh, you it's, know how they go around the cocktail party saying, show them titties. It, I mean, it's not going to win any awards for, you know, female representation with a line like that. But damn it, is it not funny? No, I, I mean, honestly, like, so... The, all the girls, like when you start the game, they seem, uh, each one of them seems designed to be like this. Which one is going to be favorite waifu of Reen? Like Reen's, Reen's, yeah, Reen's waifu. So you got the, you got the, the magical girl trope and you got the, well, you already called her the, the ponytail swords woman trope. And you got the, uh, the studious, mm, I don't know what else to call her. Studious. The good girl you've got trope. The glasses. You've got the class president trope there. Oh right. So even the NPCs, yes. And of course the jailbait. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we got multiple ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being set up. <laughs> oh, but I, I mean, to be fair, the school festival was my favorite moment in the whole game, just because the the, the, the song that they played was pretty beautiful, but also just the whole hilarity that surrounded it. Um, it reminded me of the school festival and Trails in the Sky, which was also full of hilarity. <laughs> oh, at the orphanage. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, school school festivals in video games are never not funny. Uh, speaking of school setting humor, uh, I just loved everything that you interacted with Sarah, the teacher. That was just great. I mean, I found her like the Oliver of Cold Seal, even though he's in there, too. But I mean food and drink focused humor all the time and of course the innuendo um just as often like just i was looking up quotes today from there and found a bunch on a kaseki kaseki website um and just uh, her comments about food and drink like hey it's finally time for lunchtime but the real refreshment is the beer i smuggled in with me and (laughs) (laughs) talking about you know if you eat nothing but dull bland food all the time well you know what you say you are what you eat like she's just got tons of comments like that a lot of it is food drink and sexual innuendo that that those those kind of things are universally funny yeah i seem to remember that at some point in the game she goes on a bender and reen has to um does he i think he has to collect her somewhere and bring her back to her dorm room and then like like basically like put her into bed safely and make sure that you know she gets there because she's too drunk to be left to her own devices that tracks Mm -hmm. (laughs) wait nobody else remembers this (laughs) that's right it does make sense 
I was going to say, this is, and this only happened once in the game? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say there which game. She gets drunk in all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Be more specific. Which which one of those benders are we talking about? Yeah. Oh, and speaking of hornets, I totally forgot one of the other things about the school festival I liked was the fact that Angelica is horny for pretty much every girl in this entire series. And this was oh, kind of wow. take, take away my Yep, take away my NPC flair here. My, my bad. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Go on with it. Yeah. No, I, I forgot about that because that that moment made me made me fall out of my chair laughing too. Yeah, I have to say they did a really good job of creating her. I thought she was just going to be a really terrible like one-off stereotype, but um, well, okay, I, I'm not going to get into like the other games, but for an NPC, she got some development, some airtime, and uh, played a pretty compelling role. Um, she surprised me a lot. I, I really liked her. I, I at first I was like, oh god, I'm gonna I can't stand her. I, I, I hate when they do the whole ooh, let's make a very creepy gay character. But she, I, I really liked her a lot. So I, I have to agree. Yeah, Angelica is a year two person um, that you meet and deal with quite a bit. Uh, what is it? She's always at the beginning with uh, Crow and the guy who's always playing with your Orville stuff. Oh, George. with your orbs? Playing with your orbs, yes. I mean, she would like to be playing with a lot of orbs. Uh, that guy. <laughs> I'm sure he would, too. But they both would. But she's the only one who comes out and says it, like, a hundred times in the game. So, yeah, I've seen, I, I've seen the criticism. Like, of course, you put a lesbian in there and make her a raging, uh, horny for every girl in the game kind of thing. But Oh, the one, the leather-clad one. The leather, yes, the one... The biker. She, the biker mm-hmm. chick. But, you know, she's got, what is it? She's nobility, but pushes 100% back on that. And uh, she's, she's a kick-ass person in the game. I think you get to play her a little bit, just like maybe one half of a dungeon or something yep. in one of the areas. But, uh, uh, no, she's pretty awesome. You get to play, uh, play her a lot more in some of the later games. Cool. Um, J- Josh, did you say yours? Uh, well, I mean, we talked about mine with the optimal bounce vectors. I did right. really like the, I mean, I thought that the C reveal was really good. Like, maybe I just wasn't, you know, like, intently looking for the the inevitable bad guy turn. But, like, I thought that was still well done. Yeah, I love that, too. That that blew me away when they revealed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't looking for it. I, I had not read up on the series or anything. I had nothing spoiled for me in this game. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of, oh, Oh, wow. It surprised me more, I think, because um, Crow isn't like he's not a new character when he joins class seven at like our, you know, whatever. What did we say earlier? Like 50? (laughs) Yeah, because he's in the game as an NPC uh, like throughout Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. So to me, it never really like I never really considered, oh, slightly suspicious new character. Should I should I be thinking anything about him? You just kind of I just took him at face value because he's been around. He's been a part of the proceedings the whole time. He's now he's just, you know, a little bit more in the spotlight. That was all. And, and not only that, they introduce him with another character. So it really kind of throws you off. Yeah. And like she's part of that more, trio of, right. No, I, I, I think Kelly means with uh, with Millium. Like they oh, both yeah. Yeah. So even together. Those, they joined class seven at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. I feel she's more suspicious than he is. Yeah, just a little bit. Um. Because I forgot, does does Altina show up at some point in this game, Josh? Wasn't she in two? Yeah, I know that? she was in two. I couldn't remember yeah. <laughs> if she showed up in one. 
doesn't it, ring a bell. If Pascal doesn't remember, I think she was in too. No, Altina, I think Altina kind of was there, but she becomes more prominent in the second one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's just that other thing when Pascal doesn't remember stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, Altina doesn't even have a profile in Cold Steel 1. Okay, so, so I guess she didn't show up. And but from that, I, I'm I not going to get any further. <laughs> I know that they had showed her before with um, her, whatever her robot's name is, Amy? Lamy? Lamy, yeah, yeah, Lamy. Um, and she just kind of shows up out of nowhere in a, in a chapter before, and then she joins you. Yes, Milliam. Yeah, you even see her like go flying by after you finish a field study somewhere, right? Yeah. And at the end of one of so, the chapters, she's standing on like she's standing in the on, on a hill nearby, watching the train oh, drive past. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's that, that, that's very much a Legend of Heroes thing. They love to do that at the end of the chapter, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, let's have the bad guys sitting there watching and talking about what they're going to, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like intimate I, about what's coming up next. Ooh. You know what? That got a little. Okay, annoying is a strong word. Maybe not annoying, but that got a little. You know, I wasn't feeling that. I guess because, um, especially early on, the story never really gets into. Um, like we don't have any villains in the story because there's no plot like really established for quite a while. So I didn't know who the villains were, and then on top of that, they're usually masked and they're. Their uh, dialogue boxes show up with like incognito names like blonde girl or masked man. And they're talking only about stuff that they know about. So I don't even understand the context of what they're. So I feel like I could have done without those scenes. I didn't really need them. Yeah. What I'm getting at with Milliam is that her appearance is a big fat red red herring to throw you off the trail that uh, Crow is the one that you should definitely be more concerned about. Yeah, I think the the place where she – so apart from like those like short scenes where they just show her as being like a character, there is somebody that – when you first go to the Nord Highlands, then – she shows up as the character you're supposed to suspect of um like performing there's some kind of a, a like a like a bombing or something of a um of a fort or a yeah a, kind on of a the site. border of calvard state yeah and I there's think, almost a war that gets kicked off there you yeah right de-escalate and for for a little while they present her as like oh is she the one that that did that but i i, I also think they they kind of say that she isn't yeah but crow is well, never presented in any oh, sorry Oh, no problem. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you could say that they wanted to take you off trail and make the trail run cold. Oh, I, I see what to. you did there. Uh, what so, did you do? Explain. <laughs> now, next question. Um, <laughs> kind of going tangentially from there, who, who was best girl slash boy? Well, we just finished talking about one of the two best girls. Milliam, duh. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think it's her as much as her big ass robot friend, like yeah, talk about kick ass in battle. Like that thing can do some major damage. That that robot was pretty op. Yeah, I really enjoyed. And I don't know, things got a little serious, I guess, a little bit before she entered. Because yeah, you're breaking up a war about to start, and I think she kind of brought it back to have a little bit of humor. Um, and yes, having her in battle was that was great. She was one of the my main four as was my other best girl and that's fie absolutely absolutely love the person who just takes a nap on the park bench 
outside, falls asleep in class, doesn't give a care. Um, but also her build for battle, um, making her like a dodge tank is just awesome. I, I always had her going the fastest. Um, I, I know I mentioned it last time, too. I swear she's got like a hand grenade attack right at the beginning. Um, I don't know if it can blind too, but it, like I feel like I started so many battles with her right off. And when the enemies are all standing there together before the whole battlefield goes to hell, like she could get in an area of attack before the battle even started. And just her usefulness with the double guns. Uh, that's another thing. I think her guns always have an area of effect, right? Just even her normal attack, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Like, she's not going to be your hardest hitting, um, but it's very hard for them to hit her. And that takes a lot of attacks away from other people. Like, they just try and fa- fail. Maybe that's She dodges could, so well. So you well, found some good reasons. Well. So you found some good <laughs> reasons to have Reen um, hang out with, uh, with, uh, with 12-year-old girls in the party. Exactly. So that's what you enjoyed. <laughs> From a battle aspect, I enjoyed the big-ass robot, mm, big and ass, I enjoyed okay. the girl. I, you know, I like big asses, I cannot lie. Um, and Fie with her double guns. <laughs> okay. We're going to go with that. You just said guns? <laughs> she has two. Sarah's only got one. She's got a gun and a sword. That's pretty awesome, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Had, mm-hmm. I thought Fie had knives. They're gun knives. Oh, gun knives. Yeah. Okay, so yep. go, go on the squall dual, route. Totally. Dual, dual gun blade wheeling, fast as hell, dodging attack person in my party. Yes. Well, I, I have an unpopular response because apparently you guys just don't like Gaius. Dude, I like Gaius. I, no, I, I like I Gaius. Gaius, Gaius <laughs> okay. was my uh, dodge tank, ironically. He was amazing. Really? He's yes. a dodge take too. Oh, he his dodge or his evasion goes up really high, um, and I loved when the enemies would just go after him because it was literally you just wait a second because you know it was on Vita, so it was a little delayed. But <laughs> like, oh, oh, and then just kill like half the half the enemies. So most of the time, I had him like up front, so like the. Enemies would just be like, oh, let me go for him. Except for the um, bosses who gave me a finger and would just literally bypass him and just go right behind to poor Elliot and Machias who are like, I'm trying to keep away from the boss. But yeah, but no, I really liked him. And his, I'm not going to lie, his abilities, his his like his powers and stuff, I they made me feel oddly nostalgic for Lavitz from, um, uh, 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 oh God. Legend of Dragoon. Yes, Legend of Dragoon, which was one of my first RPGs. So Hold on. What did he say? He said one of his first. He didn't say favorite. No, remember <laughs> when we did that episode, there was a hilarious yeah. line that Lavitz kept saying. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry I've derailed I, you. I just I put that episode out of my memory already, not because it was a bad episode, because I didn't want to think about Legend of Dragoon again. Oh, <laughs> now I feel bad bringing it up. Oh my god, didn't we name the episode after that? <laughs> yeah, yes, we couldn't. We did. We couldn't, I'm finding it. We couldn't get it out of our minds. <laughs> yep, it, it it just went uh... something really stupid. Slambered it up. <laughs> Slambered. <laughs> oh wait, uh, he didn't even what? say that. No, that but was us his that name? made it up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> his name is Lavit Lavit Slambert. All right, there I got a cramp. Laughing too hard. <laughs> Sorry, Javon. I, that we I, I needed that. <laughs> I, I appreciate.
appreciated that Gaius was a real sweetheart and I just I fell in love with him from the second that he showed up on screen because he ends up in your party when you fall fall into the um, school for the first time and just he, he's an artist and I appreciate that he's from the Highlands and he really cares about his homeland and you know runner up for my second favorite moment in the game is when the nobles and the commoners are fighting and he just kind of innocently says why, why do you guys care so hard about this and i think it was patrick that, that kind of got in his face and called him a barbarian or something like that and everybody else got get, just gets super angry and he's just kind of like eh whatever call me what you want and it, it was it was a really touching moment in the game Especially when you found out why uh, why Gaius wanted to join the academy so much, it's it just for for me, it, it kind of sealed the deal. Like, yeah, Gaius, you you are my husbando in this game. I'm gonna bond with you all the way and all. I guess you can't be a romance mm. option it was, because you're. It was something. Um, he saved the life of uh, the mil- like the military official that that is kind of the the top guy in his in in the Nord Highlands. Yeah, and he and so uh, to pay him back, um, the that commander wrote him basically what like a letter of recommendation. I don't remember what his reason was for. Oh, didn't he want to join the academy just to like kind of experience the well, like exactly the thing that class seven is like meant to do: go around the world and see different viewpoints and stuff like that. Yeah, he want he wanted to learn about the world so that he could serve uh, the Highlands better. He's likable because he's. Like you gotta, you gotta like uh, the the calm, down to earth personality. Plus, he's you know he's he's pure. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's got yeah. a great set of parents. He's got a great set of parents. I'll say that. You know, yeah, de- definitely the guy that you would marry in the bang, marry, kill conversation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. I was. I, I, I keep I'll thinking, give you that one. I'll give you that one one hundred percent. Even wow, and and that's coming from Matt, who was all about. Like Fee and Milliam a moment ago. <laughs> We're talking about the married. We're you talking convinced. about the married. Don't go there. J- Josh, save us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, best girl. I-, I think in my mind, I was kind of role-playing Reen. And I'm like, okay, Reen is a swordsman. Who would Reen get along with? Well, he'd get along with the other swordsman, right? Laura. So that 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 in my little head canon, that's where that went. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a good pairing. Yeah. I mean, Laura was cool. She was a little cold at at at, at first. That's she what makes her interesting. Yeah, she is cold. Yeah, she, yeah she's she, tough she to, like to approach. Up. Eh, Although the anime that's, that's has to, yeah. sorry, every anime has to have the tsundere. Man, I went with the the I went with a boring option then. Who'd you pick? I went. I mean, I went with what the game clearly, literally shoves in your face. <laughs> literally, oh, you went with the blonde. Yep. Is it Elisa? Yes. Yep. Uh, already. Yeah. Um. I probably. I probably would have said Laura as my as number two. Although, wait. Okay. So since ever since you brought it up, Kelly, I've been thinking about the way you said because in my game it was Elisa like banging on the robot at the end, but you said it was Gaius, and I keep thinking about it, and I'm thinking, you know what? Out of that, out of the entire group, you know who would do that? Who would like? Who's a who? Who's the bro? Who's number one bro? Yeah, Gaius. I feel like that's probably is who who it should have been. Mm-hmm. Gaius and Elliot, they're Reen's bros. See, you know, Josh brings up Laura. If I had my perfect, you know, uh, group here for all out attacking, I would go with my uh, my two little ones and Laura with that great sword. (laughs) With Reen, I can write that's my (laughs) perfect. It's my perfect perfect four person party. My two little ones. (laughs) 
I mean, Nobody's there to wrong. heal, though. He's not wrong. They're very tiny. Um, they are. Who was your so who was your third pick? Oh, I just know. Josh said Laura. Like so, she's pretty awesome with the with the great sword and the. Oh, so you she's got a Laura's, great. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. got a sword that's as tall as she is. Yep, and it just fits on her hip. I will say, um, Elliot. Somebody just brought up Elliot. I, I did. I would say he does have a really interesting backstory when you finally get it. I'm trying to remember everybody's backstory. His, I find more interesting than probably most of them. He just um, wants to play a musical instrument. Yes, I mean, okay, if you if you distill it like that, it doesn't sound <laughs> very interesting. Uh, no, I think what I, I, what I remember loving about Elliot's backstory was, like, he, he spends quite a bit of time, like, building it up, like, you know, his dad forced him to come to this military school and you get you mm-hmm. keep getting this impression that his dad is going to be this like austere, severe person that, you know, like sending his kid off to military academy. And then you meet you meet his dad, the the lieutenant general at the end of the game, and he's just like this giant, you know, bear hugging like, yeah. oh, I love my kid, you know, like <laughs> totally not what you were getting from Elliot. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was realistic of how yeah. we all are sometimes about describing our own parents and friends. But there's also yeah. a lot of like that like perceived gender role as plays a part because he his sister was allowed to pursue music and he was not because his dad just couldn't square the idea of a male being interested in you know making his living off of music. That's uh, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And also that bear hug thing becomes a running gag throughout the rest of the series. Remember, we were um, when we when we did the Dragon Quest episode. We were we we spent some time talking about Salvando's dad, and that was kind of interesting as well. I mean, this is mm-hmm. obviously not like exactly on the same level, but very interesting takes on similar characters. But that being said, I, I appreciate that they show a military dad that's actually loving and just really loves his son, and as because usually the trope is you know the tough, mean military dad, like Josh was saying, and subverting that trope was a nice touch. Um, Jervon, I don't think you've went yet. Uh, well, you mentioned Sudetes, Sudetes earlier, and I went with someone who I know, at least from what I've gathered, like online, a lot of people can't stand Machias, but I love Machias. Uh, he's such a little hothead, hothead, a little shithead. Like I just, <laughs> uh, I like, I, I just loved. Um, one of the things that made me gave me joy was, um, and you figure this would make Usus one of my favorite characters, but I liked how Usus just kind of pushed his buttons. <laughs> like it was just so much fun seeing him just blurt out stuff or just to get you know so angry and I don't know and I also feel like I could relate to the Sundere type so I usually tend to fall uh, I usually tend to connect with that trope a lot in the game but I also have to say like when it comes to like backstories like they gave him like such a like yeah. I, I like to call it like uh, like the the stacked ham sandwich of like trauma and tragedy like it was like boom just so you know this is why he hates uh nobles and it's like wow this is like like you know like that one person who's just had like the most tragic backstory yeah it's like jesus this is so much so, um, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, every time that him and Yusa started a pissing match, I just wanted to yell at the screen, get a room, you two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, the, if, for, if strategy-wise, their pairing worked a little bit better for me, I would have. 
But unfortunately, like, I use Machias more for, like, my support. So, like, my, I think toward the end of the game, um, I kind of had more like a bro group. Though I did have Elisa in there because I also have a soft spot for bow healing users. Like, that's always been, like, my favorite uh, trope, um, thanks to Tales of, um, oh, come on. Uh, Tales of uh, the Abyss, uh, Natalia. Um, but anyway, um... But yeah, so it was, it was for me, it was, it was him. Um, But also because I guess it made it more gut-wrenching seeing him, you know, kind of finally, you know, reveal his feelings, or at least I, that's how I made my headcanon because you can't really romance Machias, but you know, headcanon, that's what headcanon is for. But uh, having him pound on the, the mech and, you know, kind of have that emotional moment um to me it was kind of like oh listen that it finally confesses their feelings though ironically if you romance elisa it's kind of the same thing but an actual confirmed romance versus just an uh an implied romance so it, would this be kind of turning you know something unexpected here because i always saw machius's anger at the nobles like not what you would normally expect from a lower class anger at a higher class like the way he just totally looked down on them it's like total shits and everything like that's normally what i would have expected a high class one to completely hate everything about the lower class but you've got him as a really stuck up lower class compared you know, looking down his nose all the time at the upper class. It, that seemed a little bit of subverted expectations there. Oh, oh yeah, it, it totally is. Uh, most games always have it the other way around, it, including this game, too, because you've got Patrick that shows up and is yeah, just yeah, yeah. complete noble shithead. But, yeah, I, I appreciated that about that game, that they kind of made the commoner the asshole in that dynamic. Oh, yeah, because I think, you know, when you play the game, you're being led a lot to, hey, you know, the commoner plight over the, uh, you know, n- not a lot of people are playing this like, oh, poor nobles, poor nobles. Yeah, I think I think for Maki is like it's one of the few times that the slow pacing hurts a little bit um, because he's because his defining characteristic is just he's angry and mm-hmm. and like kind of mean and rude. And it takes too long to um to get to like lift the curtain on why that is. And then you can kind of have some sympathy for him but up until that point i, I you, you you're given too many instances of him just <laughs> seemingly kind of being a dick for no real reason and and what makes it worse is later on when you go visit um, eustace's hometown and you kind of visit his family and says that sees that the only person in eustace's family that kind of really gives a shit about him is his brother that the dad the dad's kind of cold to him and i don't think their mom is even in the picture so it kind of makes Machias being an asshole to him that much yeah. worse because well, you, you get the impression that Eusis never really asked for this life. And Well, Eusis's mom is not the same as his brother's mom. That's one of the one of the things that they discuss at one point when they're lying in bed is that he was um, that he's actually just the, the half-brother. He's the, he's um, the illegitimate son. Yeah. So, even worse. Yeah. I think that's all of our favorite characters unless anybody else wanted to add anything. <laughs> Is there any character we didn't mention? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, nobody picked. Um, is it is it Emily? Emma, the glasses girl. Is it Emma? Uh, yeah. I mean, eh. she she's my favorite of the girls. 
but she plays, I think she plays a much larger role in the later games than this one. She's very Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, like, with, with Emma, like, if we're talking about the first one, yeah. I mean, she's there, but, you know, she's yeah. there. I mean, I like the implication. That's that's honestly all I remember about her is that it's constantly implied that she has um, witch, magic witch shit like, going on. yeah, that's kind of neat. But okay, mm-hmm. that's about all I got for her too. So. Yeah, it, it, if you want more Emma, you definitely need to play the other games, and we'll leave it at that. Um, moving I'm on, rushing on to this... play the other games now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to okay. convince you guys. Um, moving on, so we talked about our favorite playable characters. Did we have a favorite NPC? Ooh, I think we've talked about both of my choices before. Teacher Sarah, by far. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, my God, just just kick ass. What's the time like she? Yet the boys are all arguing. She's like, "All right, take me on in battle," and you get your ass wiped. Um, <laughs> like she kicks, she kicks like three of yours all's ass, like just like that. Uh, it's not even close. Pretty sure that's an unwinnable fight in the game, what? just for her to prove the point. Once again, subverting tropes because you know usually the teachers in some of these high school games are kind of meek and mild, and oh, oh, class, get it together. And Sarah doesn't take any shit at all. Oh no. And then, uh, yeah, along the same badass kind of thing, Angelica, um, our biker babe, lesbian, uh, loving, going after all the girls person, but like just her personality, not that part of it, but just like how kick ass she is and, you know, noble family, but screw that. Let's, let's do what we need to do to, you know, whatever the, the goal is in school and fighting for the good cause and everything. Top on our biking party. Yep. So just like quickly, just kind of say like reiterate what I said earlier. I just have to say like yeah, um, with I even want to say Angelica, <laughs> but uh, Angelica, she um, I, I just as an NPC, I just I I, I appreciated that she got um, the attention to detail and the backstory and that her role. Um, you just see like you know in the series, you know even for an NPC has evolution and has depth to it and i don't know i i always kind of like refer back to her or think back to her when i think about you know and a character that you don't play a character that could have easily just you know been just kind of thrown on the wayside but was used to great effect in a story and how npcs in my opinion should be you know developed in some ways if you know other game companies want to make or developers want to make, you know, memorable NPCs. Oh, yeah, d- definitely. Because, you know, stuff happens in other games. It's like, oh, my God, and being being vague intentionally again with her. Um, she's up there as well. Both her and George are up there as two of my favorite NPCs. But, well, I guess she kind of gets knocked, uh, knocked up. And, er, knocked up what? She gets knocked up? No, that phrasing. Sorry, it's late. I'm tired. <laughs> uh she gets bumped up to the top slot anyway because Sarah becomes a PC in later games. Oh, okay. So, so she wins by default. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm changing my answer and Angelica. <laughs> Josh, what? who's yours? Oh, I'm calling a last second audible because we were talking about Emma and that just kicked in a memory and I'm like, I'm going to go full NPC and we'll go with Dorothy who was the uh, literature in the literature club, club with Emma and had a uh, a profound love of uh, BL uh, stories. And it was always embarrassing Emma. So I remember <laughs> that going on in the game, that being that little subplot. And it was always entertaining. 
<laughs> I remember that. Um, B- BL is in Boy Love? Yes. Okay. I missed that somehow. <laughs> wow, and we think the guys are perverts. <laughs> see, see, Angelica and whoever Josh just mentioned. Dorothy. Dorothy, there we go. Um, so did we have a favorite side quest? I'll kick this off since oh. I threw this on the list of uh, questions. So there's a ridiculous one at one point. Um, the girl's name is Beryl. She's like the president of the occult club. At Beryl's Thor's. great. <laughs> yep. And she needs you to go figure out Thor's seven mysteries. These like ridiculously spooky things around school. Um, the thing is, as you investigate them, they're all like thrown away and explained away in like one sentence. Um, I just wrote down to them. Uh, there's one. She's like, oh, the sculptures in the art room. They cry. They cry. Go ask about the crying sculptures. Um, and you go talk to this girl, Clara. She's like, God damn it. It's condensation. Why do people keep coming in here asking me about this? It's just condensation. They get wet. Nobody's crying. And she's even like, only an idiot would believe any other explanations. And you're like, okay, sorry I asked. And, I mean, it's so short, too. You barely get out the words. And she's like, condensation. Just totally interrupts your question. Um, and then there's one of the other ones is about, ooh, the ghost piano. And you go talk to the guy. He's like, oh, that was probably me. He goes, I heard it one day. I had the lid open on the piano. And I was, you know, in there kind of tuning things. And I think somebody walked by and they couldn't see me because the lid was open. <laughs> and it's all like these just total, 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 no, nothing mysterious about it. Like just complete misunderstandings and complete common day, everyday explanations for everything. You will be but, amused yeah, the whole... to know that, that that's a quest that comes back in three. Oh, yes. Good. Well, I think she says something about like coming back and the real mysteries of Thor's or something like that. I, I yeah. there was something at the end, and then it's just left. It's you know not followed up in the game. Um, a lot of side quests in this series tend to be running jokes. Like you, you remember in uh, uh, Sky, how there was a quest that was kind of a running thing where you had to um, fix lights. Oh yeah. Which I think also comes back in this game. But yeah, some of the school quests come back later. In later games. Nice. Nice. So funny. Um it got oh, I was gonna say mine real quick. Um, it got casually mentioned, but yeah, my, my favorite quest was having to go find the cat. <laughs> but you get to see so many cute cute kitties and um I That's think in so- a oh, what's the redhead kid's name? Isn't that his dad's town? Yeah. That you gotta find like seven of them or something all around. Elliot? And I, Elliot, I yeah. I can't remember if Celine is there at that point to kind of offer her own cat commentary. No Don't idea. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't remember, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with my basic bitch, bitch answer of the cat quest, because <laughs> I like cat quests. <laughs> All right. So um, should we consider uh, Reen trying to find ways to be as oblivious as possible about how his sister is super thirsty? Is that a side quest? Oh, my <laughs> God. We haven't even mentioned his sister yet. No, I don't know. How we, talk about talk about pervy. I mean, if re, all the other stuff we could explain. Hers is just, um, yeah, there it is. An anime trope, big time. <laughs> I don't know what's what's worse, the the sister thing or the trying to ship her with the princess thing. Sorry, trying to ship Reen with the princess. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, yeah, yep. What do you mean by that? Oh, just how that... Deep down, it's a harem game. Yeah, 
that that whole dynamic of oh is will he go with the princess? No, he's thirsty for his oh, stepsister. The, the sister's friend. Okay. Yeah. yeah the like actual that. princess. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, princess. Here's my brother. Ooh, I like him. Oh, you know what? So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, fact that the fact that she teases her about it, <laughs> the fact that she clearly knows that um, is her name Elise. Is it Elise? Elise I feel like yeah. it's Elise. Yeah, that yeah. she clearly knows Elise likes Reen, and she talks about it plainly. Oh yeah, yeah. This is there, there's no innuendo here. It's uh, out in the open. Um, Javon and Joss, did you guys have favorite side quests? Uh, I can really think of any others. <laughs> yeah, same. I I don't know. I didn't really get into a lot of the side quests. Um, I pretty much just was like content with doing like most of like the main stuff. So uh-huh. fair enough. Yeah, no, I I completely respect that decision in this series. You, yeah, you can uh, you can make that decision pretty early to cut out forty percent of the game and still get most of the same experience. Yeah, side quests only really matter if you're wanting to get either completion or you know get some of the better items from getting the high scores at the end of the chapter. So completely oh, optional. Know, yep, and I, I feel like the total fool in all the Trails games because I never get 100% completion. Never. I, I know it's not going to happen, but I still do like 90% of the side quests. I usually I, miss I miss the hidden ones or I miss just that one that one time so that like the 30 hours I spent on all the others are almost meaningless. Yeah, and I go into I, every game saying I should just do less because I know I'm not going to 100% it. Mm-hmm. And I go in there and put in a solid 90% every time. No, that, that's how I am because I, I like doing the obvious ones because one, yep. it's one of the only ways you can get money in that game. And two, they're easy, they're easy enough to do, especially in later games when they're so clearly marked on the map that it's like, well, I'm just kind of throwing resources on the table if I don't, off the table if I don't do them. Oh, yeah, uh, they, but, they're right there in that checklist. So I got to get them done. But as, as oh. far as 100%ing go, I, I had to make peace with not wanting to bother with that a, a while ago. So. Mm-hmm. That, that's so I feel bad. I just realized something. I actually did. So okay, I didn't do. I did. I actually did do the side quest, but uh, this is probably even worse than not doing them. But I think at certain points, I kind of was like um, pushy. I don't even want to admit it, but <laughs> I kind of was like speed reading through <laughs> the content because I was like, cool, 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 cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. Like, and I don't mean like completely skipping it. I just mean, like, I was so interested to get back on track, so I would speed read, like, just kind of, like, it was almost like, you know, like, okay, like, knowing, like, as a writer, like, when I get to a book and it's like, oh, you're going to do that part, we're going to spend, like, three pages, you know, describing the mountains and grounding the characters, okay, cool, I'm just going to blaze through it because I want to get to the (laughs) medium parts of the plot. (laughs) So, um, along that line, did you guys have a favorite song, too? I mean, it, it's a Falcom uh, soundtrack, so so much of the music is just amazing. Yeah, I have to say, I liked... Well, actually, now that I think about it, I'm trying to remember if this was exactly the song that played, but I think it's Back to the Dorm. Um, and it's the song that... Uh, I, I think they actually had two songs where there was, like, a song that played while when you were back in... Uh, back at the uh, back in the dorms and stuff, but then there was also one that played, I think, kind of like at night, where it was a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. But either way, both of those songs for me were very um, comforting. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about my my nice little uh, Vertigo uh, episode. But one of the songs 
actually kind of helped to calm my brain a little bit more while the world was still spinning. So, um, and I ended up falling asleep listening to it uh, just because it was so relaxing. I ended up really liking the school festival song, which, you know, it was just just, uh, cool. And just kind of going through the soundtrack before the show, um, I picked To Become the Foundation of the World, which just had a nice upbeat tune to it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, like we were saying with Zelda Robo, it's it's a good soundtrack. And that there are, uh, to be fair, a lot more songs that stick out with this than with Zelda Robo. But at the same time, it's good background music, too. Just matches the theme of the game. Not obnoxious, but not catchy either, for, for the most part. Um also, also, I'm t- I am talking out of my ass a little bit because I did play a lot of the Sun Vita, which you know muted all that stuff. So, you and me both. But well, I did like what I heard when I was playing on the TV. Oh yeah, I'm the same way. I I didn't I don't remember this being bad at all. I'm like okay, I, I went along with it. It was all good. Um, but yeah, could I pull out a track out my ass right now? No, no. Yeah. Now, now if this was the Ease game, it'd be a different story entirely because I've always got to listen to Ease game music because they are amazing. Yeah, yeah. I really like this soundtrack, but I, I don't think it's one of my favorite of the Legend of Heroes soundtracks. It, it, it's good, but not. I, I don't know if that's just because I have like maybe more of an emotional attachment to the Sky games, but I, I, I tend to gravitate more towards those soundtracks but like yeah I, re- I still really like this one i think i think the one i was like when i was looking through the soundtrack it was it's one of the battle themes where it's uh don't be defeated by a friend it's just like really good fun pumping upbeat music oh yeah i was i listened to that one a little bit too and it was a good pick um, pascal did you have one well, no, I. It's been too long. I just honestly don't remember any particular songs. Um, I I do I remember liking the music, but not to the point where anything stuck out as like, oh yeah, that song that played during this one scene is the one I like the most. Oh, that's cool. So I'm useless on that question. It's okay. Um, I I always feel so bad when we talk about portable games for the same reasons. Like, uh, I played muted, so I'm sure it has good music, but um. Getting into kind of our last question, our big question. Um, what were your memories of the game? Like, what were you doing in your life when you played through it? And I'm going to start with Matt. Hello, Matt? Sorry about that. I was on mute oh. there for a second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my, I thought I got disconnected for a second there. Nope. Uh, I, I got up to get something real quick, and when I sat oh. back down, I was still on mute. So, whoops. <laughs> but I do remember very clearly when I played this. Because uh, I'd got a Vita kind of late in life. Uh, gosh, 20... Uh, I thought I wrote this down. Um, I think I got it in 2016. And that's when I did play... Um, what is it? In the Sky. But then it was the next year, spring of 2017. I was doing my master's thesis. And I was like trying not to get into any big games. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is springtime. I got to have my master's thesis all written um, this summer. And I had to have, you know, like a... 5,000 word summary of it um, over spring break. And I'm, I had to put forth my whole proposal in January. And I was like, no, I can't get in anything big. And looking back, I, I was playing games like uh, was it Dragon Fantasy and Dragon Fantasy 2 at the time. You know, little 10 hour games that, you know, if I could get an hour here and there, it'd be fine. I'd beat it in two weeks. And then, you know, I went and started this. Stupid me, stupid me. <laughs> But loved it. Um, it. It was awesome. I 
I'm sure it took me quite a while because of all the writing I had to do that year. And at the same time, I'd been like, I, I can't believe I even played it because I got the Dragon Quest Monsters uh, 3DS tra- fan translation and Joker 3 fan translation. I had those all loaded up, ready to go. I'm like, oh, my God, can't believe these fan translations came out. Woohoo! And I was like, no, those are going to be time sinks. And what I do, I took a complete left turn on the Vita here. And just with only had playing Skyd 1 about six months earlier, I dove into this and just absolutely loved it. No regrets. Um, I'll, I'll go next just because mine is incredibly short. But um, I, I bought it when it came out and played it and didn't even get or played a little bit of it. And that first time through didn't even get through like the school before bouncing on it because I it was like right around the holidays and I just bounced to something else fairly quickly and had real false starts trying to get this game started and I don't know why because it wasn't like I wasn't having a good time and it just wasn't clicking and then after Max Storm died and a lot of us were talking about how he was team handheld and how much he loved the Vita and it came up that this was one of his favorite games on the Vita and it was kind of like you, you know in my own little personal way of kind of honoring him, I think I'm going to go ahead and play through it. And that that was I, the summer that I started it after he had passed away. And then I, I just, at that point, it finally clicked and I couldn't put it down. And yeah, that that's basically what I remembered about it. It was just, you know, several false starts, um, wanting to kind of do something to honor Max Storm and landing on that. And glad I did because it, it's now one of my favorite series. You know, usually a day one purchase now, as far as Kaseki is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Jervon, I, I need to hear about this Vertigo story now. Okay, well, I feel bad because I feel like I'm going to be the Debbie Downer. Of the, no, it's okay. Group. But, um, so, I, I, ironically, mine is kind of somewhat similar to Matt's story, um, I, but I was pre-thesis, so I was going into thesis, and I'm actually, in retrospect, I'm glad all this crap happened before I went into thesis, because, dear God, it would have been a nightmare. Um, but anyway, um, I had got Vertigo, uh, so, well, I should say, I actually bought the game a little bit beforehand, because it was like $5.00 on Vita, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll, you know, sit down and play it, um, and then it was like a day or two later, um, I didn't even really know what Vertigo was, but I just remember I woke up, and the world was spinning, (laughs) and I couldn't even, like, walk up straight, um, I couldn't eat, I, I couldn't hold down food, or anything like that, um, and then the next day, I ended up having to go in an ambulance and um, was in ER in Indiana, away from New Mexico, my home state, and just going, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is lonely. <laughs> um, and also, uh, I would not wish Vertigo on, like, my worst enemy because it's just, like, it's so disorienting. Um, but on top of that, um, it was it, it became this, like, piling on thing where... Um, because I had missed out so much time, I ended up losing my job. And then because of that financially was, um, well, this is a little bit later, but like it, it started to pile up where, you know, I wasn't going to be able to pay bills. And, um, I was terrified that I was going to, you know, get kicked out before my final year. And I was going to go back to New Mexico feeling defeated. Um, and during that time, I, w- I would say it was probably like two weeks or two and a half weeks where um, it got either a little better or got a little worse. I had to 
um, stay on liquids because there was always that chance of bad things happening. <laughs> and um, and so laying in bed, I, it was one of those moments where I was like, thank God I bought a Vita right before I went to, um, I started grad school in 2014. Um, but I laid in bed and just played the Vita and because I couldn't, ironically watching, even watching something was a little too disorienting um, because it was too much like moving around and stuff. But with the Vita, with the game, because everything was, you know, it was more dialogue and um, stuff like that, um, it was a lot easier for me to focus on. Um, and um, and so I just, I was able to, to um, that was like practically the only thing I could do besides, you know, listen to things or just kind of sit there bored. But I really appreciated like that game. And it ended up being the perfect game when you're literally stuck in bed all day and it's a long game too. So it actually ended up like filling up that entire time that I was um, um, out of commission. So yeah, um, and 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 I just have to say like, it, it was very like, it's, so it's oddly nostalgic for me. Like hearing the music, especially back to the dorm, uh, fills me up with this kind of like weird, not weird, but this, this like uh, kind of like not heavy handed, but like a kind of a, uh, uh, well, we'll just say nostalgia, a, a nice form of nostalgia. So, yeah. Um, and yeah. So um, and also because it take place in school and I was in school, even though it was definitely an adult and <laughs> and in grad school a lot of their stuff was still relatable though you know mm -hmm. so, yeah. well, that mysterious uh schoolhouse out back of your normal college with all the, the mechs in it you had a mysterious uh schoolhouse out back behind your college with uh magic mechs in it too oh i wish <laughs> <laughs> i'm really glad that 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 you were able to play something while you had vertigo because i mean it, it sounds kind of like how when i get migraines and i literally just have to lay in bed and not do anything and depending on what game it is if, if it's like something that has a lot of motion and it i just i can't even touch a game like that yeah it's, i mean it's it's very yeah very much like that where and even like certain sounds like if there's like too much like like oh my god like if there was a perfect way for me to like to torture me would be to like put on a Michael Bay movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just explosions, I loud noises, a lot of action, just like over sensory. Yeah, um, and it's not to say that this game is dull, you know, by any means, but it was just the pacing was just perfect for that. Okay, you know, I'm feeling somewhat okay for the next couple of hours. My head's not spinning too much. Let me just kind of, you know, lay here on my side and just kind of, you know, get through the, yeah. You know, just engaging your brain just enough so that you can kind of work through the pain without it causing you a relapse is what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you recovered from that because that sounded awful. Thanks. <laughs> um, Pascal, I don't think you went. Yeah, but that's really because there's not much of a, there's no story really, um... I played, so for me, the story, you know, everything about the game that's memorable is just within the game. I played it at the same time I played um, Udaware Romano. Underwater Ray Romano. I did. <laughs> and that's another game that took me forever to get through. That's it's a very lengthy visual novel, and I usually take longer through games than uh, than than I should. So I was playing two super lengthy games that, like, just 
kind of eat up time and are very, very slow burn in both cases. Um, I, I mean, I but I definitely enjoyed my time. That's that's all the story there is to tell, really. Yeah. Oh, um, you said that, Jervon, you said that you had paid only uh, five bucks for the Vita version of this. Was this on PSN or was this physical? No, this was on PSN, and I think okay. it might have been a sale for when they were announcing um, uh, the Trails of Cold Steel 2. Because it was like not quite like right before like I had to wait, but the waiting period wasn't as bad, if that makes sense. For the second no, one. I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a hell yeah. of a game to get for five bucks though. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah. Um I, I I'm always saying that because man, when I was looking up prices before the, the uh show, I was like, Wow, some of the prices of this just shot up. The physical Vita version is like sixty bucks now, and um, the the Lionheart edition, which is the one that came with all the cool stuff, that that shot up to ninety. And the other thing that kind of blew my mind was that I don't think the PS4 version had a very large print run because just the discs alone of the PS4 version were going for ninety. Um, Still got yours, Pascal? Yes. And yeah, I only paid twenty dollars each for my um, PS3 versions of it, uh, both one and two, and those have even shot up to like forty. So I, I guess this is a long way of saying just go for like either PSN for Go or uh, Steam or GOG, because even though those are like forty bucks, they go on sale all the time. I thought you were gonna say this is a long way of saying at me if you want to spend some money and buy it. <laughs> Is this, no, is this the part I, of the show where we list the items we have on sale? To be honest with you, Pascal, I'm when it comes to video games, I'm kind of a borderline hoarder, and that if I find yeah. out that one of my games is actually worth something, I'll like like no mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or feel free to join our Discord and at Squiggly Leo if you're uh, looking to get a physical no, copy. Also mine. <laughs> I'm like that too. But, but, but that's not because it's worth something, but more it's because, like, I know if I get rid of this, I'm going to want to play it again, and I don't won't want to have to pay out ass to play it again is my issue. Um, but I also, I always I always want people to be able to pay the, be- the best amount for the games that we recommend on our show. And that, that being said, like, go, go Steam or GOG, because you get the better enhanced versions anyway. And I know both uh, of those storefronts have, have the game on sale all the time. I'm not sure about PSN. I've never seen them on sale, but then again, I kind of ignore them because I already have them. Oh, I mean, I used to. I used to check out the PSN sale for probably three years straight for Vita. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I would see these on there and they'd be. At, but I mean, PSN's got a lot, a lot of sales. And Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll go on sale at some point there. Um, pr- probably not the Vita version, unfortunately, no, just because they don't. I think Vita, they don't do sales with Vita anymore. No, you're, you're lucky they still sell it on Vita. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, they, you they've it. now made it even harder to buy a Vita be, or buy the Vita version because now you have to like add money to your wallet, um, and then go to the Vita store and purchase. So have have fun with that. But if you Not really want to play it portable, um. Hey, hey, maybe in a year or so when we get the Steam Deck, you'll be able to play it on there portably. There you go. You can have a cheap game with a really ass expensive uh, device. Because <laughs> it sure as hell ain't coming to Switch. Um, I, I think that's a good end to our show. Um, th- thank you, Jervon, for 
pop up and in at the last second. Thank you, Pascal and Josh, for coming in and hanging out. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And of course, thank you, Matt, who's I could not do this show without. Um, Matt's the equal partner, and he is definitely the uh, uses to my bakias. Oh, wait, that's a bad example. Oh, um, oh, don't talk about that useless guy. Did 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 George to my angel Angelica? He can they be repair, the key to right? your million. Are you calling me fat? Yes. No. No, not at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go the feet of my million, or the, the Emma to my Selena, and call it good. It, it, escape doesn't have to okay. cares. Okay, that's, that is a good pair. Leaves a little mystery with us. That, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Being a little catty? Still my, you're still my bestie, Matt. We will probably see you in a year or so when Pascal and... Matt can play Trails of Cold Steel too, so that we can talk about that one. Oh, but, it's on my uh, Vita, ready to go. Yes, uh, it'll take a year. We better start now. It might. It might. Um, well, just just keep me posted. Um, I'm going to be making the schedules at some point, and you put it on uh, the schedule, and that will. Uh, I, I I'll be honest. I haven't played a new game in so long. It's uh, it's good. Something pops up like that. I'm ready to ready to plow through it. Hey, what what motivation? And you, you're playing through a damn good game too. So yeah, yeah. Um, just got to finish off that second half of Crossbell. <laughs> Then, then, then I will feel completely released. I'll have played the first six games and can go in a, go in with a clear conscience. They, that, by, by the time you finish Crossbell, I will have only just started Crossbell because it'll finally be <laughs> out in English. Yeah, it's been since January that I've been in that uh, <laughs> halfway point. Maybe I'll find some inspiration soon. I have to say I appreciate this discussion because you guys have finally convinced me to finish Trails of Cold Steel 3 because... The combat was kicking my butt, but I was also being stubborn and not playing on the easier modes. But now I'm like, okay, get over yourself and just play it. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, and I've got three and four sitting completely wrapped in my drawer. And I'm like, oh, got to get to two before I even unwrap these. Trevon, <laughs> luckily you have time because I'm not going to pull up. Well, hey, let's do a backtrack for three before two. So probably sure. in another two years. Give or take. Look for that. Oh, fair enough. I'll have it done by then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and me and Josh don't have to worry because we played all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not getting a Crossbell episode next year? Um, Probably not, since technically for the West, uh, Crossbell... Well, I don't know how, how the, the two-year rule works on games that have been out for forever in Japan. We make the rules. That, that's true. We can, we can do whatever we want. But we'll so, see. I, I definitely either way, we've got plenty of games to talk about. Oh yeah, no, no shortage of games. And we've so, got a wonderful staff that loves to come on and talk about it. So thank you to our uh, co, uh, co co cold stealers tonight. Our, our I, I couldn't fans. say that. Kaseki, <laughs> there we go. And with that, I'll wrap this up. I, I think, as Kelly said it, you know, this is an awesome game. Go out there and get it, however you can, on whatever device you want. Except it sure as hell ain't coming to Switch. Goodbye.